Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.12. This is nominally a podcast about the Maryland game, but we end up talking about Ohio State for about two-thirds of it. And it went. The annual play like butt immediately before the Ohio State game week. Indeed. Not complete butt. It was pretty butt. It was mm, butt. It was pretty butt. Know. Well, this this will be debated over the next hour. Well, I mean, okay, what we should say is that Maryland may be the best 6-5 and five team in America. Yeah, somewhere Alex <laughs> is cringing. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it should be noted that this game, when Ohio State played it at home, was also was, similar. Was mm-hmm. pretty similar up until some explosives that Ohio State got and Michigan barely missed towards the end of that game. There you go. So, so not a performance that is losing to Rutgers at halftime or such. So that kind of begs the question: Is like, is this you know when the SEC plays it, it's always SEC Esta weekend? Like that's right. Yeah. They all mm-hmm. schedule their cream puffs. Is this basically now throw out the entire performance and survive an advance weekend? Um, to some extent, I mean, look at what Michigan did against Illinois last year, right? Oh, well, and Ohio State struggled with Maryland, too. Yeah, and Ohio State was up like 13 nothing at halftime of the Minnesota game. Didn't exactly blow the doors off until second half. Yeah, right. and Minnesota threw an interception. Yeah. <clears throat> Minnesota's yeah. bad, but we know that. Anyway. Yeah, so, like, it, 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 that was kind of the sluggish thing that happens when you're playing a very bad Minnesota team. And Michigan had the sluggish thing that happens when you're playing a decent Maryland team. Who has an offensive coordinator that coached at Michigan and probably – I'm not going to – no, no. I'm not, not going, giving any – I'm not going down the Josh Gaddis got us path. <laughs> no, I mean I think – But there were a couple of plays he yeah, got us. Well, yeah, but you know, Michigan's like spot dropping and stuff and they're just running their regular stuff. They didn't bring yeah. anything okay. in particular out. Okay. And yeah. So, the I mean, like the backside RPO that they got us on, where you know Macari Page lets the guy go behind him, and then, like that's been open all year. Michigan had problems with that all season. Like that's not just like a Josh Gaddis knows our defense and knows how to break it. What about the screen? I mean, it's just a screen, right? You, it was a well timed screen. Yeah, it was a good call, but yeah. Okay. That you, happens sometimes. You okay. Two guys with a chance to knock it down against a 5'11 quarterback, and it was actually pretty close to knocking it down. So. I mean, I'm glad that he didn't just run inside zone for 30 straight plays, but that's still me being bitter by the Army game from way back when. <laughs> anyway, we'd like to thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Human Element, Winewood Organics, Signal Wire, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, the Autograph Rewarding Fans App, and Venue by 4M, where we are currently recording. All right, back to the Maryland game. So, survive in advance? Pretty much. Uh, you know, the one thing that does give pause is that this was the worst game that 
J.J. McCarthy put up since Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Like the two throws at the end of the first half were both hospital balls, and the second one's intercepted. He had one of those on like the third throw of the game too that was dropped. Yeah, I mean there were some there were some bad throws. He he also had four or five really good throws. Yeah, but it was a very. I, you know, I I wonder how much is his injury. I wonder how much was the wind, especially because like he looked way worse when we were going into the wind, and when Maryland was going into the wind, they they couldn't throw it either. Well, one one way the kicks were going out the back of the end zone, and the other way were like everybody was squibbing it, and no one would kick, and no one would kick a field goal <laughs> unless the wind was behind you. Yeah, that was very odd because the forecast was like eh, fifteen miles per hour. It's not really like a problem. Well, people are saying it was like 30 miles an hour and swirling. And yeah. Back and forth. So, like, I mean, that, that'll that change some throws. Like the throw to Barner where they get the pass interference penalty. That's way wide. And mm-hmm. like if he, that was a bullet. But if he catches it, it's still not going to be for the first down. And you just wonder if, like, got pushed off. Do you think his, his injury could have anything to do with his lack of like, setting his feet? Like, I mean, we I talked about that in the Purdue game. I didn't think that was necessarily the case i do think that um maryland does have guys in the secondary so one thing you go over their pff grades and they've got one bad cornerback and that's their nickel Mm because they had a solid secondary last year too right and everybody else in there is actually covering pretty well so i think that there was some level of indecision from mccarthy especially because it felt like you know maryland was doing a lot more to try to win the game than Michigan was, if you catch my drift. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this, was a, this was a game that Maryland was going to win or try to win, and Michigan was like, look, we're going we're gonna to win this game, but we're not going to like try to outfox you. We're just going to win this game and move on. Right, yeah, and that's kind of the case before every Ohio State game. Yes. Especially because you have Gaddis, so of course he's going to want to <laughs> – show Michigan up and then he had some cool stuff in this game there was that tight end delay that didn't quite come off yeah which yeah. guy was three yards downfield by the way that should have been flagged three yeah. yards is okay no well no three yards is illegal once you're past three yards any part of your body goes three yards it's illegal well in and any case three yards when it was thrown they weren't throwing flags on pretty much anything anyway I mean you can't really complain about them missing a guy downfield I mean it's just life man mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but this happens every year, so I'm not too concerned necessarily about, oh, Michigan's run, run game didn't look great, whatever. I mean, this is a team that held Chip Trianum to like 60 yards on 20 carries. So clearly they have some talent up front. They have a pretty good approach, and Michigan was able to you know, do all right. They ran the ball okay early on. Yeah, I mean, and then— I mean, Corum had a few, you know, 8- to 12-yard runs in the first, I think, drive or two. Yeah, and then the fourth quarter, I mean— it's similar to the Penn State game, except that this is actually an offense that has moved the ball on you. Yeah. And it worked out for Michigan. But I thought, as opposed to last week, where I was pretty much fine with Sharon Moore taking his ball and going home, I thought for the most part his play calling in the second half was pretty weak tight. Yeah, especially because J.J. was not playing well earlier. And, like, you had the two instances at the end of the second half, second quarter where, like, okay, those could have been interceptions. I, I believe in getting your quarterback back. He's your, you know, this is the guy you got to ride with, and you compound your problem if you just start running it. And there was, they were stacking nine, ten, eleven guys in the box. At some yeah, place. and like the first drive is run, 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 punt. Yeah, and the first drive of the second half is run, 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 punt. And yeah, I'm just like, come on, bro. Yeah, and 
Like they go for a two point conversion, and what they do is they throw a fade to AJ Barner. Like when I was it, like, "What is this? When that, was, how is, how when is was this the last time Michigan just did that to anyone? Can you Samaj remember? Morgan is the only one who's brought in a fade this year. Well, but that's not. But that wasn't this. This is a goal line fade. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, did they even throw a goal line fade to Jake Butt? No. He, and ironically, is mm-hmm. they would have been better served at the end of the second half just throwing three fades to Loveland. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. It's like, why are you throwing to Barner? Like, Barner's a solid receiver, but you have Colton frickin' Loveland. Like, Barner's the post-up guy. Loveland's the jumpy guy. Yeah. I just And, you know, they bring in the heavy package, and they motion out the tight ends, and they throw a fade. It's like, well, what <laughs> What was the point of that? No, seems... you, can, you can do that as a sight read even, and it's better, because they there's nobody else out there. So if you just turn that into a slot, because the guy lines up knowing it's a fade, because everyone knows it's a fade. If you run a slant inside of him, he's dead. Well, I was... That's a play we'll talk about in segment three. Well, I'm just, I was just very kind of turned off by what Michigan, like they turtled in this game. It reminded me of a Lloyd Carr game. Mm-hmm. And there's the one exception where they go play action on first down, and it's a wide open for a touchdown, and J.J. misses. But <clears throat> one thing that's got to bothered me all year is the fact that they have a below average play action pass rate. Yeah. yeah. Which is bonkers. Yeah. Because yeah. they're the Michigan Wolverines. They have Blake Corum. They've been one of the best running teams in the country for three years straight now. Yeah. And every time that you are dropping back to pass on first and second down, it should be play action. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it, and and every time they did, it was just so wide open. Even Even the one where he almost threw an interception... I thought there was uh, there was a safety breaking uh, breaking down a little bit, and you could have thrown a ball up. Like there were a lot of opportunities to throw, and there was just no pressure on those. There was a little bit of pressure on the flea flicker, um, but that was that guy was just coming wide. And as soon as you know he stepped up, well, it's, again. it's it's funny that the flea flicker is now an opportunity to convert a first down. Yeah, <laughs> so, like that was the play design. It's like okay, we've got levels. Yeah, we've got two crossers, and the second one is going to convert the first we're, down on our flea flicker. We're not even trying to go deep anymore. <clears throat> no, well, and they lose Robin Wilson very early in this game, and so I think that hampers them. Like Samaj Morgan made a couple plays, but he is not established as a sort of downfield threat that Roman is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, it seems like he's going to be fine. It's obviously a concussion thing. He was back on the sideline with the old lady glasses, mm-hmm. but. If he's back on the sideline and he's basically... And a free Harbaugh t-shirt. Yeah. If he's basically on the sideline and just hanging out, it's got to be the kind of thing where he's through protocol in a couple days and should be back for the game. Well, I was like, oh, no, he's in sunglasses. But then you realize that Michigan is standing literally in the sun because... And that was one of the worst parts about watching this game on TV. I suppose it could have been the same way in person, but was... The bottom half of the field. Oh yeah, you couldn't mm-hmm. tell the difference. It's like when you're like a pitcher's pitching into shade. Like, how do you even pick up the ball? Like, you, could, I couldn't tell numbers until they zoomed in. It was you know you're trying to count guys and everything, and it was that was a nightmare. It was, and I can't believe they have a stadium that is set up like that. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> this is the worst possible arrangement of your sun. And I, I wonder if that affected the players too. Like, well, I think that some of those throws that are going towards the Michigan sideline that are in the air, you're turning back and looking right into the sun. And if you look in the wrong spot on your first back check, I mean, you're blind. Yeah, well, I just it just feels like if you're on one side of the field, it's like, okay, my eyes are not dilated. Right. And then I move to the other side and my eyes got to dilate. So, like, it's it was it was it was hard to perceive what was going on for much of this game. So I did want to ask you. Do you think that some of the, 
I don't know, turtling or the conservative play call is like Harbaugh affected? I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's hard to tell. It, you, yeah, this is the kind of thing that's hard. It, it's the hardest thing for us not being inside the stadium and not popping on the, you know. Because, like, if there's one person in the world who also would have run it 32 times in the second half against Penn State, it's Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> well, but I think that was true more years ago. I think he's become more aggressive in later in the last couple of years. Now, there's part of it where the right move is to run the ball because they've just paved got teams for like two or three years now. So in that sense, it's not being conservative. You're actually going to your more, most effective play calls. But in some of these sectors, like they ran on third and six, right? Like right before one of the last drives they had the ball and Corum gets the edge and the linebacker grabs him and he falls down. He's like two and a half yards short. You know, that's a slightly more conservative than running on, say, third and two. Yeah, and I guess one thing you can say is that it did for a moment feel like Michigan was just going to pave this team. Because that first touchdown, like they get to the six or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then they just run the dive a couple of times, and those defensive tackles are getting hurled backwards. And they got to the six by running the ball a lot. Well, the reason why things got gummed up is because Bo Braid, who's a safety, was in the backfield a bunch of times. Well... That's that's I mean, turtling. Some of that is Michigan again making errors. So the first nap, there's a linebacker, or it might have been Braid, who shoots through the gap, and you know Barner just runs by him. Mm-hmm. So we saw a number of execution errors last week, and I think it'll be fewer this week. I think it's mostly going to be more tactical with more guys in the box. But it just goes back to it, we've been complaining about this for like three years now. It's like why isn't Michigan not one of the premier? play-action pass teams teams in America. I mean, they are. If you look at their stats, their play-action pass stats are absolutely nuts. But the rate at which they go play-action pass is, like, below average. And it just doesn't compute. I mean, I think one time this whole year and last year, I saw that in in our UFR, we show them having two play-action passes in a row. So, like, as soon as you run a play-action pass, everyone knows they're running again. Right. And you can see the teams uh, teeing off. Like it's a, it, it, it's a problem that we aren't using play action to actually open up the run game. Yeah, and it does. Uh, you know, during the game, I felt like you know I really hate this because it reminds me of Al Borges. <laughs> oh God! No, I'm no, playing no. the hits. <laughs> well, no, because like you know, Borges after the twenty-seven for twenty-seven game was like, well, we hit three shots over the top, and I was like, okay, if that's how you want to play your your game, yeah, where it's like I'm going to set a bunch of downs on fire so I can get one chance at hitting a deep shot, that's garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. So what you want to do is you want to keep them off balance constantly instead of having them be certain that it is something, and then have that be right over and over and over again, and then whoops, the one time they're wrong. Well, what happens if you don't pay that off? Like Michigan didn't pay it off in this game. Well, it's like the academies when you're running the triple option, right? I mean, you're trying to stay ahead of the downs there, but you get your, what, three or four shots down the field, and what if you overthrow them because you never throw the ball? Right, and so to me, you know, the first thing I want to do is I want to run play action twice in a row to start the Ohio State game. Yeah. (laughs) And just put... Put that on tape. No, just just make them... Well, that's what I mean. Make them think about it and not just be like, okay... On second and tenth, the hundred percent going to be a run. Yeah, even if, I mean, if you run play action and the linebackers are dropping back, your running game is ready to go. That's we've never this year been able to run the ball without linebackers firing. Like I, I 
what what maybe gets Penn State a couple of runs like there were or but like remember we played Iowa a few years ago and they just so sat it was, back and it was last year. last year yeah and Michigan State last year too where like they were afraid of the play action pass so the linebackers stayed back and Michigan just ran the ball for six yards a carry and every single run was six yards and no one has done that to us this year but what it feels like with this team is and I mean this started with the Ohio State game last year is maybe even the Illinois game before that is you cannot let this Michigan run the ball. Like that's the baseline and they want to run the ball. They're good at running the ball. You cannot let them or you die. So you're going to, and we've seen so many defensive game plans this year where we're going to be either firing at the run or loading the box or trying to deter them. And then JJ has 90% completion rate because he's throwing to three wide receivers that are covered by two people. Well, and you go back to the TCU game last year where it's like they run that play at the flea flicker, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to run that every play until they stop it. Yeah. Because they were just so over the top, and they knew that Michigan was going to take these shots, but then they would go back to running the ball. And Michigan has not deviated from that approach, and I think it's to their detriment in some of these games. But do you think that they have not changed, just like they haven't really changed their defensive game plan because you say all, you've said all year they're playing their Ohio State defense. Are they playing an offense and then that this is what we think that it is, and then going into the Ohio State game, they have a different game plan? Well, because it feels like Michigan has not taken a single team seriously in 11 games, and the big game is next week. I mean, that's what you, you, you hope. And, you know, last year, you know, what did Michigan get in that, in that game? Well, they got a defensive breakdown from Ohio State for the first touchdown. They got a defensive breakdown from Ohio State for the second touchdown. And then... Well, they got them on the Colston one. And then the Colston one, you know, they they have a few things in there. But I think they're going to have to... I mean, they can't throw 21 times and win this game, I don't think. Do you think it has to be more? Yeah, I do. Because, mm-hmm. like, this isn't the same ground game as it's been the last couple of years, right? It's it's good, but it has issues. Well, they ran, they won the game throwing the ball last year. Yeah, I mean they iced it on the two Donvin runs, but their run game wasn't super effective. Well, but- Sands the one drive. What opened that up was, I mean CJ made the guy miss, and then you had the bust, and then you had the Colson touchdown, and at some point Ohio State's like we can't keep doing this, and that's when the safety dropped back and they yeah. could run again. But that's like what that's what Michigan has been is like the defenses have to come up and say you can't run the ball, so we're putting our pieces up. And if you beat us passing, fine. But we, it has been proven game and game and game and game. If if we if we let you run the ball, it's over. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than that because it's it's like rock paper scissors. Like you gotta you gotta stick and move, right? You have these tendencies, and Michigan has tendencies that I think opponents are picking up on and exploiting. Because sometimes when they do go play action, it's like there's no bite at all. Yeah, and that's because it's like okay, this is when Michigan goes play action. Yeah, and where they have our signs. <laughs> no, because we're using a, a wristband. Now we are. It was yeah. So pointing out last you know, year. it kind of feels like the play sequencing is the issue. Like not necessarily, we can't let Michigan run the ball, but like Michigan is in a situation where it feels like their calls can be predictable, and we've seen that a little bit in this game. I think not so much in the Penn State game because they just decided to stop doing dropback passing. Mm-hmm. And not so much in the other games because those teams were so bad it didn't matter. But I kind of I'm a little frustrated by the way this game played out. So I mean there are a couple pieces to it. One, Maryland did get us a couple times uh, by looking like they were um, 
I, we ran that Cheetah motion, which is really good against man that we you know were destroying Purdue with, and they actually were in zone a couple times. That was the um, the pass to Johnson that didn't make the first down in the first drive, and there was another time where like normally that gets a guy open against man, and it was so some of our passing game that we planned for them wasn't working because Maryland had a really good attack. And changed up what their coverage was. Which they did a little bit last year, if I remember correctly, yeah. too. Michigan struggled to throw the ball for a little while last yeah. year. Yeah, well, Maryland came in prepared for this game, and they had some things. They were putting some things out there, especially early on, that Michigan hadn't seen from Maryland before. The other piece, and this is a problem that I don't think is solved, is the tackle situation. They were without Henderson, and Barnhart just got on a three-man rush. He just got run around. Well, he didn't. he didn't crack until, like, the... Th- third like towards the end of the third quarter so for most of the day it wasn't a problem but then he got like pretty close to -to back-to-back minus twos Mm -hmm. um it was after the hinton injury yeah so he flips out to left tackle i'm still like the ohio state defensive ends are good but they're not like get off merchants and you know i don't think barnhart's gonna like not give up some pressures, but I also don't think that it's going to be like the Penn State game. I think he's going to be okay. Henderson's also supposed to play. Yeah, so Henderson should be back, and, you know, that will – I don't know about Hinton. They said that it was nothing structural, but he was – Yeah, I mean, bent. you could he see his back reaming. Yeah, I, yeah like I, I can't I, – I like, like, seems like best-case scenario, his knee is heavily sprained, and he won't be able to play. I, I just can't imagine he would get back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was technically their fourth – tackle when everyone was available right no he's he he started this game over trente so yeah. right but trente had come in as essentially the third tackle throughout the year it wasn't hinton coming in as the extra tackle no Hinton so, started over henderson at the beginning of the year well no what he's saying is that when michigan was adding a sixth ol it was always yeah. trente that's because yeah. trente is a better run blocker well so i mean in if you know henderson being available now doesn't change what Michigan has wanted to do the majority of the year. Yeah, it does mean that I don't think you're going to be able to see the 7 OL package because, I mean, I guess they could bring in El Hadi, who's, but. But they got, but they also use their tight, I mean, Bredesen in that too. Yeah, I mean, they can they can have the three tight ends and get a similar effect if that's what they want to do. I mean, what did you think of Trente? The uh, the sack that they gave up, I didn't think it was him. It was just nobody. That was, uh, that was Donovan Edwards, yeah, I yeah. think. Cause, well, and it was a, it was a front side corner blitz if i remember correctly yeah. and mm-hmm. partially i don't know I, I think that jj has to see that if it's in front of you behind you is a little different i guess but you also want him to get picked up right like, well that's true i but i think both things can be correct yeah i mean to me that wasn't trente at all mm-hmm. and you know when he got almost 20 snaps against penn state i had him like plus five minus zero or something i think <sighs> whenever <laughs> he gets on the field and i grade him things go really well for him and i'm just very confused about how he is in a starting tackle you've been stamping your foot for him for i mean i'm sure that there are reasons for it but they're not reasons i've been able to see on the field yeah i i i know and i mean we saw i i didn't think hinton was bad when he was in there he might i think he maybe missed one block or something like that i mean he's he's a fine pass protector his issue is when he's on run blocking he has ben braden disease where he leans over uh-huh. and then if he doesn't get the contact he's expecting he's just foop. yeah so yeah <laughs> and that's never going to change yeah i mean if it was going to change it would have already changed he's a i don't know i think fourth he year was, player he was thrown into a weird situation at stanford i think it's just his body type yeah like yeah. i just think that there are some guys Braden was sort of like that yeah I just, I just think there are some guys who cannot 
uh, deliver power without leaning. Mm-hmm. And I think he's one of them. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, Trente, we got the guards I thought were doing great. I, I mean, the guards had a great game against Penn State. And I, I thought, you know, I, I caught a, n- a number of, of blocks from Zinter and Keegan where I thought, well, that's a plus one easy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting because teams have been able to run against Ohio State from time to time. Like Notre Dame was able to do it. Maryland was able to do it a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, some teams have just been completely shut down, but other teams have seemingly found a way to exploit some of the issues on their back end because they have a couple of players uh, in the linebacker level who I think are kind of questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Maryland does a thing that Michigan does as well where they like to have a five-man front by adding a linebacker quickly. So as soon as they see run, boom, that guy has got to run, run to the backfield. And there were a couple times, especially with Keegan, where Michigan picked that up beautifully, where it, like you get that feel like, oh, God, we're <laughs> the linebacker's shooting the gap. We're dead. And he just takes them and escorts them into the backfield and – there's a gap. And Michigan wasn't getting that much out of those because the safety would meet him another yard later. But, you know, in a world where the safeties are not in the box and, you know, two yards off the line of scrimmage as soon as the running back crosses the line of scrimmage, I think that, you know, that's that's a really good run game still. The guards are still the guards. Can or will Ohio State be able to replicate that? That's how Ohio State plays too. <sighs> so, yes. I mean, I think Michigan will be – tweaking all their stuff. So I think you're going to get a lot of situations where Michigan is running adjustments to their base plays. You know, they have that A-gap power where you engage a guy who's already been engaged, and I think you're going to see some traps, and I think you're going to see some Samaj Morgan stuff. I think you're going to see that package where you've got both Mullings and Edwards on the field. You're going to see that... Mullings and Edwards? Okay. Yeah, because Blake Corum is not the kind of lead blocker that Kalal Mullings can be. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so the one snap uh, from last week where he got in the game and got a lead block, he he wrecked a guy. And it didn't matter because it uh, should have been a keep. But And they're going to have a lot of J.J. stuff. Yeah. And one thing that intrigues me is that, you know, that play against Penn State where they just have QB run. You know, it's not the fact that you have a read. Mm-hmm. And you're just using the quarterback as a runner. And I think we're going to see some more of that stuff especially from the Mullings-Edwards package, because you have Edwards go in motion, and it's going to draw some attention, and then you can use Mullings to lead out for, for J.J. I think that's going to be yeah. part of the deal. You can also hand the ball to Kalel Mullings, because that's actually been pretty profitable. Well, yeah, th- that too. <laughs> yeah. So he's... The question is, is how mobile is J.J. going to be? He was plenty mobile in this game. Like He looked like he didn't want to run. Well, then why did he keep it when he shouldn't have kept it? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, when he got out of the pocket on the first very bad decision right before the half, he looked like he was basically 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think that, you know, the thing that we saw happen last week was he tweaked something on a run, and he got up and he played the rest of the game, and he's probably dinged up a little bit, but I don't think it – it would be nice to say that I thought that the injury impacted J.J.'s performance, but I just don't. Like I'd... Well, I mean, I don't know that that's nice. You just chalk it up to, hey, he didn't play well. Okay. But, I mean, we have a number of data points over two years now where J.J. plays well. And, I mean, it goes without saying that you want to beat Ohio State, you have to play well. Like, that's just – it doesn't matter what you did before. You have to have a good game. I mean, Cade McNamara didn't have the best year throughout the year, but he played well against Ohio State and they won. I mean, that's what you need. 
in these games. Except when he threw an interception. Well, okay, but I mean, he also <laughs> right. he also hit some yeah, yeah. some plays. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the way that JJ has been good this year, he he sees tiny windows, right? He sees a guy whose hips the wrong way and he throws it, or he sees a guy who like is looking the wrong way. This is what you have to be to to do to be a good quarterback. But those margins are not very large, and I think Maryland has, especially J, uh, Barham, has more athletic linebackers. Well, by the, far than we're used to playing. That could, Cal Halliday would have picked that off. He didn't yeah. have to move. Yeah, that was throw. <laughs> that that was not a bad throw. That was yeah, a bad yeah. decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the one before it was a bad decision too. And yeah. he's got Loveland in the corner. Yeah, like, yeah. It's. I mean, he just has to be the JJ that we've seen him be, eighty to ninety percent of the time. And if we get that kind of performance, that's all you can ask for. Yep. All right. Do we have anything else on the offense? Uh, I mean, you want to talk about the backs a little bit? I thought Edwards missed a couple cuts and like that kind of stuff still going on. Chet sweep to Morgan. Was he horse collared? I swear he's horse collared. You you are allowed to grab the jersey. You're not allowed to grab the pads. That's what the horse collar is. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a horse collar. So uh, one thing that we should address is, I mean, did you think it was targeting on Wilson? Uh, I thought it was really borderline. Okay. And did you think it was targeting on Graham? It was equally borderline. So... I guess both of them not being targeting is what you take in that situation if you're a Michigan fan. Yeah, so for me, it felt like the thing that was lacking on both of those was the forcible aspect. Like so, like leading with? No, so it's just about the amount of contact. So both of those, there was some helmet contact, but it was more glancing than, than head-on. And so I felt that those were both correct no calls. Okay. I thought we were going to talk about that in the third segment. Oh. So. Well, you Sorry. ruined the third segment. <laughs> Sorry. Let's get to the second segment. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. 
If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoalblog today. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9 and 458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co founded Autograph with one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. Folks, there is not a baby dressed up like a Chippendales dancer here today. But there could be. You could bring a baby to venue, and you could have a party, and you could dress him up like a Chippendales dancer right outside where we record the podcast, and then we will dunk on your baby. It's a win-win. So have your event at venue. It's all about the Tao of Tongue of Ialoa on defense. <laughs> so you get some absolute pinpoint dimes. Beautiful throw. Like in the, the wind. In the, oh, my the, the, God. The wheel route over yeah. Sainer still. I'm just like, Phew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Tip your hat. Fourth-year player. We've seen that guy play a few times. I'm going to remember that player. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Uh, I'm still never going to get his name right, but I'm going to remember that player. Well, it's just, it's just an experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, yeah. So he's got the, all Top those outside. absolutely pinpoint plays, and then he has two awful interceptions. A fumble that Michigan turns into a touchdown and a safety on uh, yeah, intentional grounding. The intentional grounding. I mean, he could have gotten two of those. <laughs> like one of them. Two of those. Yeah, he could have gotten. But I mean, that's always been ta ta yeah, time, right? We've really got the full Tonga Vailoa experience. Yeah. In his last well, you game. know what? That's the last time we'll face him. So I'm glad we got to see everything. We got we got locked in the Big East with him, Big Ten East with him for four years, and this is and we got. All of it. We got like we just the dumping the tongue of Iowa. Well, I mean that's what stuff. he did against Ohio State too. Like they're yeah. they're playing pretty decent. They're up in that game and they're driving and or no, they actually they were they were backed up and then he throws an absolutely awful interception to on a linebacker when the guy's open and it's like a eight yard throw. I'm just yeah. like, oh jeez. Yeah. So that's just who he is. Yeah. Now I do think Michigan has some questions they need to answer, particularly. When it comes to coverage, because Josh Wallace got toasted uh-huh. on a on a double move. Well, you saw what they did. He went off the field, and they kicked Mikey outside, and yeah. they brought in McBurrows. Yeah, 
So they, they were and they were testing that last few games to see what they got as far as other cornerback ideas. And this game they ended up playing, I think, with McBurrow's nickel and Samerstill outside. Well, and then the other issue is that Johnson is, gets beat on a fly route. Wow. And it's like, ah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's your – honestly, they're living and dying with that. There's nothing you're going to do. He's your best corner. If he gets beat, he gets beat. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean – I mean, you're not taking him <laughs> off the field. Well, no, yeah. it's just. Uh, the, I mean, you're you're not gonna that that same route is going to get like, hurt. Yeah, my devious plan was just put him on the boundary every time, and when it's three by one, just live and die with what happens there. Well, I, I don't know that he's just gonna erase Marvin Harrison. No, but you, you get benefits from being able to overplay the trip side. Yeah, it's the JJ thing. You're gonna need a really good game from Will Johnson. Yeah. End. And then we talked about this on the previous podcast. I talked about it in the preview. Michigan is just straight up going with light boxes. Yeah. <laughs> they, All game. Two deep game. safeties. The, game, the entire game. Well, and then the run game for uh, Maryland every single time. It's like, okay, can Jenkins two-gap a guy? Sometimes the answer is yes, and they yeah. get two yards. And sometimes the answer is no, and they get eight yards. But if you take Tuolia's runs off the table, like you have Hemby goes 11 carries for 35 yards. McDonald goes five carries for 12 yards, Littleton four for nine, and Billy Edwards, well, I guess he had those sneaks, so those don't really count. But, like, they did it fine yeah. with two deep safeties and a six-man box. It worked, and the Ohio State run game is not appreciably different in terms of performance. I know they've gotten a little bit better recently. Yeah. Well, they have a home run hitter. <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, you know, just in terms of down-to-down productivity. Right. I'm more concerned about tackling those guys. Tackling well, was a problem in this game. Tackling has come up a few times as an issue, and Trey Adam is going to make you is going to run you over, and Henderson I, I, can make you miss. I mean, I'm not worried about Trey Adam that much, but I'm worried about Henderson turning a five yard mistake into a fifty yard mistake. Yes, yes, and there have been a couple of those. I mean, we saw another missed tackle from Moore. But there were several missed tackles. We saw another. Uh, Kari Page had a big missed tackle. They had the, um, I think, three guys missed a tackle on the third down that they hadn't stuffed. Bar- and, Barrett I had mean, a stuff. And that's, yeah. I mean, that that stuff happens sometimes, but. It does. It's just that when you add that with other ones. Well, I know, but we are talking about a, a, a run game that got completely shut down by a six-man box. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are nits we are picking. Yeah. Well, and Wallace missed one on the outside with a on a, on a tackle yes, on the receiver. Yes, yeah, like it's like there it's there's a, there were a lot of nits, Brian. No, there were not. Otherwise, the main guy wouldn't have had 35 yards and 11 carries. Yeah, you know. Well, some of those are not on run plays. Yeah, some of them. But what we're talking about is like this is going to be the approach against Ohio State. They're going to play two two two, uh, two deep safeties. Mm-hmm. They're going to make Ohio State try to. Run, to try to drive the field, and they're going to try to put him in third and short over and over again and see if they can actually do anything that's not a jet sweep. And and that's, like, been – or I should say Ohio State has struggled with converting in the red zone at times, right? I mean, they've kicked some field goals. I mean, that was a little bit the Notre Dame game. They had to kick a field goal. I mean, there's other times when they've had to settle for three against Maryland. So, I mean, it feels like that's – this is – it's the – you know, Kobe or Jordan defense. It's like, like there's, you're not going to shut them down, but you can contain them. And if you can give them all the yards they want and they have to kick, it's, it's kind of what they did last year. That is what they did last year. And that's yeah. why we had that success rate mm-hmm. discussion after the game where <laughs> right. it's like, oh, Michigan got lucky because their success rate was relatively low and Ohio State's was relatively high. And I was just like, but that was kind of the plan. 
Well, yeah, that's the plan. Is yeah. Third and two is third and seven for Ohio State. And if they're able to change that, then Michigan needs to change their approach, but you got to make them prove it first. And McCord, did, he looked like he tweaked his knee a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, like he came out in the second half and was fine. I don't think that's anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he's not exactly like – I mean, C.J. Stroud in the NFL decided, hey, guess what? I can run. When he played against Michigan, that was not exactly who he was, and McCord is more like that. They'll put it on the table. You think they'll they'll oh, let yeah. him run? They will. Can he? He's mobile enough. I mean, Drew Aller got some yards against us, right? One of that. One of those was like shaking Cam Good. Well, Another one was in like garbage time. Well, no, yeah, another one was a. They tried to sneak him, and he got packed. But they're going to make Michigan defend it. Yeah. Because they didn't last year, and they scored twenty three points, and then all of a sudden, C.J. Stroud figures out he can run the ball against Georgia. And that changes your offense. And I don't think that they're stupid enough to go into this game and be like, ah, we don't need to run the quarterback. They're going to do it. I hope they're that dumb. To not there's, run the quarterback? There's, I mean, there's been evidence in the past that Ryan Day will make a lot of tactical errors in this game. Well, Wait, so you you want them or you don't want them to run the quarterback? I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I, but I, there is the way the, the, the optimal Ohio State game plan against Michigan and I don't think that Ryan Day is going to get there. Well, the other thing that we've seen is that you can confuse McCord right now. Yeah, There have been a lot of spots where he drops back and he throws it directly into a linebacker's hands or just holds the ball because he's not sure what's going on. Like, he sacks himself sometimes. And mm-hmm. I don't want Michigan to be doing this spot drop stuff. Yeah. Like, they, they're going to drop McGregor and stuff into the passing lanes and all that, and I think that could be effective, especially if the slant that he's buzzing is actually thrown accurately this time. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? I don't know if C.J. Stroud like, had some sort of sixth sense where he's like, oh, God, this is going to be an interception, and at the last second he makes it high. I don't know. But it, se- it seemed like last year that if Braden McGregor was the target of uh-huh. an accurate pass, he was going to pick off two or three passes. There were two, definitely two instances of that, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's going to be a big swing point in the game. There's going to be moments where Michigan gets McCord to throw into coverage, and, like, can they convert on the interception opportunities? Now, um, I don't know exactly what Minter's approach is going to be, but they showed some vulnerabilities against Maryland, especially on this RPO stuff, where there's that conversion down inside the red zone mm-hmm. where Will Johnson is playing 10 yards off a guy and he yeah. runs a slant. And, and they're still like, trying to figure out what their coverage was going to be there. They, <clears throat> they should have switched a man coverage when, they, when the guy left on their side. There only, there's only two guys on that side versus two receivers. They did botch the cross too, right? Like, oh, that was Colson. Well, but they had Saner still and, and Will Johnson both in the end zone too. I mean, it, and no one was on the sideline. Like, even if Colson is where he should be, He's not the, the flat defender. It's a simple crossing route, and, you ha- and you're a linebacker in that zone. You pick him up when he comes across your route. But, so they didn't have anyone in the flat? I, I don't know. Dewar didn't think it was on Colson. But. Okay. It, it seemed like there were two cornerbacks that came in from the, from the end zone view that came into view in the, in the screenshot that one of them probably should have been in the flat. But yeah, it was clearly a bust of some mm-hmm. variety. So, but like what you were saying is they've they had a few busts in the secondary in different ways. Yeah, and I, you know I'm not thinking that this is going to be a total shutout. But also, I mean, Ohio State's offense has been fairly rickety this year. Whenever it goes up against a good defense, like they 
can absolutely hammer the pants off of Purdue and Michigan State. But Notre Dame game, the Penn State game, even this Maryland game. Indiana game. Indiana game. Like, I mean, that was a lot of people's a, first yeah. game. But, mm-hmm. but there's been a certain level at which their offense just stops functioning. The Wisconsin game. Yeah, and the defenses that they have failed to perform against, some of them are not nearly as good as this one. Yeah. And this is in Ann Arbor, so they're going to have like the the visiting experience of and it's, it's going to be loud. Going to guarantee I, you it's going to be the loudest Michigan Stadium has ever been. Yeah. There were a lot of Ohio State fans who went to Notre Dame. I don't think there's another away game that Ohio State's played this year. And they're going to have plenty of fans at the Michigan game too obviously, but like this is Less probably the uh, by many degrees the the toughest environment that Ohio State's going to have to play in this year. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. And so, you know, first time quarterback, first time in the game, he can be a little rattled. Like I feel like I would be a little surprised if it didn't feel like the Penn State game for Ohio State when they were on offense where they're just trying to scrape some things out, and then Marvin Harrison bails them out of some stuff. But, you know, they put up, what, 20 points in that game. Mm-hmm. And they almost gave up a strip sack that they got bailed out on. Yeah, well, they did, and then... Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think they'll be a little better, because I think Penn State's defense is better suited to get after the quarterback. Do you think the rotations continue? I mean, they were continued in this game, and honestly, Cam Good played pretty well. Okay, but I mean, yeah. like, even Quentin Johnson and everybody... I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I guess I would be surprised to see the safety rotation. I think at this point, Grant has obviously earned playing time. I think Benny's earned playing time. I think maybe Cam Good has earned playing time too. Probably I don't mind Cam. Downs. You want Cam Good on, on passing downs? I may, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I want Grant on passing downs <laughs> all of a sudden. I, I just, I, I mean, you know, may, maybe Jenkins is on a snap count or something, but like it just feels like with those three guys – you got how many defensive plays are they going to have in this game? 70 total, 80, somewhere in that range. Like between those three guys, you want two of them on the field all the time. Well, and that's enough. You, you got one game. This is it. This is what everything is about. You've you've played your defense yeah. for this game for 11 games. Well, that's the other thing about the make them drive the field, put them in third and two situation, is that when that happens and Ohio State wants to go big, Michigan gets to put in one of the best defensive tackles in the Big Ten. Yeah. Like – I don't think that's an advantage for Ohio State. So Well, and it took Maryland, like, how many pounds just to get the ball in the end zone from right. two or three yards out? Well, Michigan also does much better at the beginning of drives than at the end of drives. How many times in this game did you see, like, we almost get them off the field on third down, they just some weird little thing happens, and then they go on a drive. And Ohio State... Because they go tempo. They go, and, and Ohio State does go tempo. Now, they'll lull you into sleep, and then they go tempo, but... That's how you attack Michigan is you go tempo after you get the first first down. So it's going to be, you know, you either drive on Michigan and get down to the red zone and then something happens or you kicked off the field immediately. Well, and you know, Marvin Harrison is going to have some plays in this game, like stupid plays. Like, uh, what? go away. Yeah. Be in the NFL. The more, <laughs> the more you pass and you fear him, the better catcher he is. I mean, so, you know. He did have that, like, wide open drop last year. And it was, like, the only one. That I remember him dropping. Well, you remember? I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like Michigan got a very despite opportune appe- drop. Despite appearances, he is a human being. Yeah. Um, 
He also, you know, absolutely torched Jamon Green. Well, for, sure, but yeah. that just feels yeah. like well, Michigan's going to put a safety over him. Well, that was the one time where I mean, they, they had a crazy safety blitz from twenty yards deep, right? And the, immediately it was like, let's punish this. And I don't think that they're going to even risk that because, like, you know, Jamon Green was a fringe NFL corner. Like, he wasn't that far away from getting drafted. Uh, I don't think Josh Wallace is in that category. So, well, that's going to be interesting. If it's Josh Wallace. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they could flip. I mean, McBurrow's actually played really well in the slot. He tackled uh, the QB run when Tulia got out with the blocker. I mean, the only thing is, Sainer still is a fantastic nickel, and he is a meh cornerback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We kind of skipped over talking about the defensive line, though, because when Michigan went into turtle mode, Maryland had three cracks at tying or taking a lead in this game and on every single one of them as soon as Tongo Vailoa dropped back to pass he was under siege mm-hmm. and he was under siege because Minter had some twists on but the thing is is that when you have a twist on with Mason Graham on the field he is so explosive that that loop is just wide open because he is driving so fast and so hard so the Braden McGregor loop I mean, that looks like a truck lane. That looks like Michigan playing Penn State last year yeah. when Manny <laughs> Bia, Diaz didn't put anyone in the B gap Yes, and on the uh, the Grant sack, that's the same deal. Is that Mason Graham is so explosive on these twists that he is opening up lanes for his teammates, and I don't necessarily think that there's a whole lot you can do about that. And then Grant is just like the sack he had on Tungavailoa is like this is the picture <laughs> yeah. of Mo Hurst eating their like Air Force transfer walk on who looked like an eighth grader. <laughs> As, I mean, he's the combination of, of size and explosiveness there is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And then Michigan had 26 pressures in this game. And Tungavailoa threw th- how many times? 31? 31. They had, 20, and, they had 26 pressures. And they've been, PFF charted them with 26 <laughs> pressures in this game. And they've been doing this all year unless the offense went not in the face. Like the the hit over the top where Wallace was in good position and then he gets mossed a little bit. Yeah. That's a sack if Tunga Viola doesn't throw it right then because Braden McGregor has whipped the tackle and he's in yeah. on Yeah. So would you rather face Kyle McCord this weekend or Tualia for Ohio State? No, no, not not like the Maryland offense. But if you put Tulia <laughs> in Ohio State's offense, would you rather have him or would you rather have Kyle McCord? That's a really hard question because Tonga Vailoa is going to be much better on a down-to-down basis, but then he's going to give you three turnovers. And McCord isn't great at protecting the ball yet, but he's not Tonga Vailoa. So that's a hard question. I, I think that the context matters, and I would – I'm absolutely happy to be playing McCord. I think Tonga Vailo is a much better player. And I think if you give him, like, the, the A-plus players, that the level of A-plus players I, that, that Ohio State has around him. I mean, you talked about one of those pressures is, um, you know, Jenkins is uh, basically has him for a sack, right? Like, they have him cornered. And then, you know, Talia steps back, he stiff arms, and he runs out of the back of the end zone, and then he throws it away. But, like, the... That is not happening with McCord. McCord has some ability to move, but Tonga Bailoa has always been that guy who's just like, even in the backfield, he's just so slippery. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough question. So I feel like you're, you're going into this game and, and you're daring Ohio State to run the ball against a six-man box. And 
last year, you know, Tranum had some early success. They were running a particular variety of whatever run plays they were running that they hadn't yet before. But when Michigan got them into short yarded situations, it was like, okay, let's try a 30 yard pass to the tight end. And I can't really see that changing very much because Mayan Williams will not play in this game. So you have Trianum, who's a pretty good power back, but personally, if I want two yards, it's I would prefer Williams. And then Henderson is not that guy. So right? do you want to see Henderson get the ball or Trianum get the ball more? I mean... Or does context matter? I think you want to bait him into it. Like, you should show them the, the box, and you should run it, and you should see what happens. Because I just don't have the faith in the Ohio State offensive line to make that a first down. And then if you get them in third and two, well, that's where you make your money, right? So that's, even, even if they're throwing it. Even if they're throwing it, right. Because eventually they're going to break down and they're going to have to punt. And Do you think they punt as much? I mean, like, that, it, don't you think that, that that's what Day has heard about for a year? Is you can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. I mean, it depends on where they end up on the field. But, you know, if you're asking me if I'm comfortable with them going for it on fourth and two, yeah, I am. I mean, it just feels like they're going to. I think that you are giving Day too much credit. He believes that Michigan's sign stealing is the reason that he lost the last two games. Maybe it's a long con by Michigan. Maybe they're trying to keep them in the same game plan because they're saying it was all due to the signs. Their activity this entire time has been suggestive of that they believe the BS. And I and I really hope that's true. I it's hard to like say okay our enemy is going to destroy themselves or make these dumb decisions, but that is part of the Ryan Day experience. He's going to make bad tactical decisions. My concern is that he doesn't. I think that Ohio State should run the ball against Michigan a lot. That they have a um that they're good at stretch that Michigan is playing a man down in the run game, that if you can add a zone read to that, you're taking another guy out of there, or just run McCord. And you're I mean, <laughs> the thing is, is that when they are running a lot of stretch, that's when their run game was awful. When so they I don't run think, to the boundary, yes. Yeah, but I don't think you can say that they're good at stretch, because I've watched them run stretch. Yeah. They're not good at it. I, well, it's what the, it's their favorite run, is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. and but one thing that has helped them become a better run offense as the year has gone along is they've stopped running it. Yeah. <laughs> so Ross Fulton is no longer complaining about yeah. boundary stretch every freaking game. Right. So I kind of feel like it kind of feels like two years ago when they had Kerry Coombs as their defensive coordinator and like halfway through the season it became clear that Kerry Coombs was an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they fired him. And they're like, oh, we got to put something together midseason. And they did. And they got moderately better. But then Michigan just crushed it. Yeah. Because they didn't have the depth that you need. And I kind of feel like that might be the case for the Ohio State ground game. Where it's like, okay, we're going to run a last stretch. We're going to run out to the boundary. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be cool. We're going to be awesome. And then it's not working until they replace it. And it's not like they weren't repping these plays. Right. But to change your focus of a run game midseason and you get a little bit better, but now you're playing one of the best defenses in America. Yeah. And are they going to be able to do that against one of the best defenses in America? And it kind of feels like the answer is probably no. Yeah. I mean, there's the question right there. The reason they were doing it to the boundary was to create just more space for the passing game. Yeah. That passing game is not as strong as it was on CJ Stroud, as we are seeing in the NFL now is a very good quarterback. Maybe the most accurate passer I've seen. <laughs> he's he's a fa- I mean he's a very fanta- he's a very good quarterback and Michigan played a let's not let the very good quarterback and his very good receivers 
beat us kind of defense. If Ohio State goes and tries to do the C.J. Stroud thing with Cal McCord, they're walking into it. I know, but this is a team that are like 93rd in EPA per rush. Like, I just can't... Uh, I mean... If I'm Ohio State, I'm still trying it. I'm, I'm trying it until I'm sure it's not going to work because I think Trianum is a good power back. I think that you can get explosives out of Henderson and Michigan is going to be playing a man down in the box, so that's where your advantage is. If you're going to do the other, you're going you're you're hoping that, you know, your five star receivers come down with a passing coverage or that Michigan busts their coverage, which is another weakness we have. Yeah, I mean they just haven't had a whole lot of reps against a competent passing offense. Yeah. Um not to change too many subjects, but Jimmy Rolder played in the game. How many uh, games did he have? He still he could play in this one That's and the next two. one still. So he's played in two now. Yeah. Okay. He actually looked pretty good on his goal line rep. Yeah. yeah got low. Yeah. Made the stop. Yeah. I think he's at three, but either way, he's still you get four and they don't count postseason against you. So they he's got a red do. Shirt now. Yeah, they do. They changed that this year. Did they? Yeah. Really? That's weird. So postseason would because theoretically start in the championship well, game? what happened is everybody was going to their bowl games without half their team, and they're like... Oh, because people are sitting out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they changed it last year during bowl season. So like like th- this year, during 2023, they changed Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then just, I mean, the Graham late hit was... Not, Stupid. Not good. Yeah. But that and, was their only penalty of so, the game, right? Uh, and the, well, and, there's a holding and the call hold on Trente Trente Jones. Trente. Oh, let's, let's do let's let's do refereeing in the next yeah, segment. Okay. So, if Graham doesn't hit him, the game's also different because well, it's fourth and three, and they're going for it because it was third and three, and it was incomplete. It was fourth and three. It was third and three, but then it was going to be fourth and three, and they were going to go for it, mm. but they didn't have to. Yeah, but that 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 drive was the the mossing, mm-hmm. and then the penalty, and then the bust on the crossing uh, round right so that was their like, that uh, was their drive right at a halftime okay so it was their second touch touch yeah yeah all right well, let's take a break come back and talk about some other things hey it's nick hopwood certified financial planner founder and president at peak wealth management check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog when you're watching the game everyone knows what the score is but you might be at halftime of your career do you know what the score is are you winning or do you need to play catch up If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. 
security, performance, conversion, beautiful user experiences, Bella experience, utilizador, monthly marketing, PPC SEO, make your user a customer, conversion, Ade perfume for online retailers, love your website, let human elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find apartment stores, not find apartment stores. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein, he's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also, like... I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads Go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together. And you will save money on your insurance, and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto, and they do life, too. All right. So, you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein Insurance, this this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across Southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. for the first time this year. Ah! <laughs> That's hot. That was me. That's super hot. Seth, give me your hottest oh. take. Losing Jim Harbaugh for the game is worse than losing Connor Stallions for every game. <laughs> Congratulations, Ohio State. You did it. You materially affected yep, Michigan. You did it. Yep. Couldn't beat us on the field. Had to beat us another way. If that makes you feel good, then enjoy it. <laughs> They're so convinced. They're so convinced this is the problem. But they got the problem. You found them. You got them. Congratulations, OSU. Yep. Jason, yeah, you give me your hottest up. take. 
J.J. McCarthy will be our quarterback in 2024 and 2025. (laughs) Are you paying him? No, they're going to play him for the four most important games next year and redshirt him, and then he'll be our quarterback in 25. (laughs) That's what I think. Do that and he'll and he'll bring Bryce Underwood along. All right, that's the most Pollyannish take I can give in this moment. I really, honestly, this is uh, you know that's the that's the silver lining in in JJ McCarthy uh, not having a good couple of weeks unless he comes out and goes nuts this week, which I'm not sure that's possible without our head coach. Who knows? It's going to be a grind, boys. This weekend will not be a fun game to watch. I'm I'm calling it. Could be. But probably not. <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. Next week's game is a trap game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap game to get to the Big Ten Championship, which is really the only moment I want in this world is for Tony, Batiti, Frida, Badita. Petita to get up there and hand the trophy over to like the largest chorus of booze. I just want to get to that moment. So let's not, let's not not take Ohio state seriously. So we can get to that moment where we just boo him into his car and wherever he lives in whatever split level town home he calls home. Hey, I like it. All right, here I go. Saturday will be Ryan Day's last game as the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ah, that would be great. Fair. That would be great. I don't know. I kind of like him around. He's fun to punch. He's fun to beat up. If if it is his last game, I will tweet out, hey, Ryan Day, why don't you hire your PI brother to find you a new job? Even before all this started happening, if you lose three straight to Michigan, given the recent recent history of the series, you know, it's difficult to recover from. But after all of this happens and all the Ohio State fans are like, I'm sorry, Ryan Day. It was really just about the signs. We didn't even lose those games. I apologize. Like, for him to lose this game, they will go, I mean, they will flip 180 degrees and they will be out for Oh, yeah. Are, are oh, you yeah. sure? Because they're done. so bought into this that maybe they'll say, oh, well, Michigan still had the signs. They just can't get rid of it. You can't change all uh, the signs that fast. I think I think they'll they'll be over and done with it. That's what I think. But I think yeah, I kind of think you're right, although I think he'll have one more year. And if I'm J.J. McCarthy, the ultimate troll job is to come back for one more year so that you then can be the number one quarterback picked in 2024 because you will be, and just come back so that you completely put his career in the ground. That would be fun. That would be fun. All right, if you can't get enough Sklar Brothers, hit up their website. They are constantly touring, and check out the Nosebleeds, which is the reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. Thank you guys so much. All right, our miscellaneous game theory special teams refereeing segment. Do you want to do special teams or game theory first? No, let's do the refereeing first. Of course. All right. Okay, Craig. All right. Bring in Craig for this one. Well, I mean, pulling up my list. One thing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think I think one thing you can be certain of is is it doesn't really seem like the Big Ten refs are out to get Michigan. Well, it's... because even though that was clearly intentional grounding in the end zone on Tonga Vailoa, uh-huh. you never see that called. 
It, well, I've seen it called against JJ before. Well, no, but for, like for way for five yards away no, from your in receiver. the end zone, it's at the receiver. Yeah, it's just way way short. He's backing out. He's on his back foot. I was surprised that the flag came out. I'm only surprised because the Big Ten gets it so wrong. And I've been on this thing for years. I mean, it's not the Big Ten getting it so wrong. It's just the way college football is called. There are certain things that do not get called intentional grounding, and that is usually one of them. Because I saw it called against J.J. when he was five yards away from his receiver, that one I was like, you better call it, especially because well, he threw it out of the end zone way short of the line before. That's because you're a lunatic. Well, I was friends with cornerbacks. They have I, yeah. a very... All right, anyway. Yeah, I have biases that way. Um, the ball was on the tee. And they <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, it was. And they're like, I don't there's know. no way he's this bad of a kickoff. I don't know <laughs> how you missed that. I mean, I think he just assumed based on the kickoff and the fact that it was windy that it, something had happened. Uh-huh. And then and the ball goes out of bounds anyway, so it's like a ball don't lie moment. Yeah, because uh-huh. they're both at like the 35, right? And I think Michigan lost about four or five yards based on... No, right no, it was like two yards because they got it at the 35 and then they got it at the 35. I thought it was more like the 40, but not in yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maryland had a delay of game. They that, did. Like That's not... <laughs> necessarily the case right because the clock on the field is when you see the okay you see the clock go to zero Mm -hmm. if you're the official who's the the delay of game guy and then you look at the ball right and if the ball hasn't moved then you throw the flag so that there is a period of time when the clock reads zero that you do not get a delay of game penalty because by the time it you would the flag would come out the ball is already moved. So, so Spartan Bob was correct. No, but that one was probably within that margin of error, especially uh-huh. because sometimes the TV clock is right. a little right. That either. If, if that's true, the TV clock, okay, fine. That I can. I just don't get why delay of game is when it hits zero. You still have an uncertain amount of time before because you, there's an official who's looking at the clock. And he once it hits zero, there's a lag where you have to see. Okay, does has the ball been snapped? There's humans have reaction time, but they have reviews for shot clock violation that seem very clear. Uh, what, yeah, and, it's just the way it works. I, yeah. that was not. It's, it was fine. I stand by it's goofy. I'm I'm just pull. I, I, the, the list is not based off of what I think was wrong. The list is based off of the things that we need to talk about. Okay. I want to make that clear. Okay. All right. So we talked about the um, we talked about the two targeting. Calls already. Yeah. So, uh, there were a couple PIs on the on that weren't called on Michigan uh, receivers in the end zone. The one on Morris was bad. Yeah, that was clearly PI. Yeah. Um, I the one on Johnson. He doesn't look back at all either. It was like, I I I, I would have expected that to get called on Michigan. Let me put no, it that I way. mean I thought the I thought that one was probably not going to get called, but I thought the Morris one very well might. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Barner one, you don't often always get. Yeah. Because, yeah, he pulls them. And I think Barner is off balance. Mm-hmm. And that's why it gets called because he's trying to get back to the ball and he's been yanked. And so yeah. it just looks worse than it usually does. Because yeah. usually it's just you've been slowed down, but you're not like, Ugh. Did right. you think it was the right call? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because once you have them tied up and the ball goes that direction, it's like a. Because then you. When, the first time you see it, you actually see Barner like going down when the cornerback's on top of him because they were tied up together. When you see the replay, it's like okay, they were they're hand fighting, then the cornerback got his shoulder pad. But 
he got his shoulder pad. He was holding it while the ball was in the air. It's technically pass interference, and they always. I don't think it's that. technically pass interference. I think it's actually pass interference. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's pass interference. Um, uh, Grant got ripped down by a really bad hold uh, on uh, Tonga Bailoa's scramble. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Yeah, he got. He was spinning around, and then he got spun. Oh back no, down. I, I do remember that. He was very upset about it, but yeah. that's not a hold. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't see the guy grab him at all. He just went over. Like that was not a hold. I okay. He, he I'll, well, I'll, he I'll a, reserve he until a, I do the he UFR. A, he, has a, but... he he has a spin move on. Yeah, and he just goes over because he loses his balance. And I, like maybe the guy grabs him a little bit, but there's no no nobody on the planet is calling I, I, it a that's hold. That's not how I saw it. I saw that the guy had his shoulder pad really hard, and when he spins, the guy uses the spins leverage and spins him down. Yeah, that's fine. All right, you can do that. All right. Um, and also, they weren't really calling holding on except for the one time. <laughs> and the one they did call, call was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Which, But if you're Trente there, don't you just lay on the guy? You he like, kind of lets him he up. Laid, well, yeah, he kind of pushes him down, and then he's like, all right, come on, let's go again, and lets him up, and then hold, and then yeah, I mean, I kind of grabs him. And, I, you know, I think in that case, he thought that his part in the play was over. He'll yeah. probably mm-hmm. get a film room thing about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it annoyed me because that kind of stuff just happens all the time, and you, you, you yeah. never see it called. It wasn't really material. Yeah. Um, one that was material is they, uh, there's a guy jumping on Seymour Still's back on that split flow screen that, uh, that gets down to the, it, they had, they thought they had a touchdown and they review it and he ends up on the half yard line. But like the reason why it gets the corner yeah. is Seymour Still gets tackled from behind. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, again, I'm not saying that I'm claiming this. Just saying, get it over yeah. with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, push-offs on the, on, on, Will jo- like, on the two that Will Johnson got, uh, got beat on? No way. Okay. Um, yeah. And that was, the, and that was it. the other last one was the P.I. The ones we got were the, the second throw away from the end zone, the P.I. on Barner. And if they didn't give Blake the first down on review, I was going to lose it. I was nervous. Oh, the fourth down? Yeah. The fourth yeah. Down, at the yeah. end of the game? They never overturned that. I was, well, don't say never. Well, they, but like, they gave him a short spot, too. And like, and that's then, where I was like, oh, my God, they might overturn this. No, there was, there was no way. There was no way you can see anything on that replay that would be overturned. Yeah. I did enjoy the Maryland, Maryland players insisting that Donovan Edwards had fumbled. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then the replay is like, he's rolling around on the ground for three seconds. Right. <laughs> flipping the ball to the referee, and they're like, it's loose. <laughs> That reminded me of uh, who was it who like laid down against, Giles Jackson, Giles Jackson yeah. and got up and everybody's like, well, it must be a touchdown. <laughs> and then the replay is like his entire body is on the ground. And they yeah. just didn't blow the whistle. So yeah. he's like, OK, I'll well, just had, like the same still interception one, one is like, too. all right, yeah. I, I get why you, you might let that go. Yeah. But then the Giles Jackson one is like <laughs> an all time inexplicable call. All right. Special teams. Tommy Noman. On the one, you got you got a you lob got wedge. The, yeah, seriously, you got to you know, slice that baby. Two, that's two points for him. Two points for him. No, I mean because like oh. they got the safety off. Of it. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know if I can make this guy a known friend, so, and trusted agent for one punt. So I know this is <laughs> this is. <laughs> I mean, got him two points. Jenkins and who else is gonna Jenkins and Zinter? I mean, like the well, Sane or still. Sane. So that was okay. when yeah. Craig was. Yeah, we'll get to this in a second, but Craig was, like, screaming that they weren't going for it on every time that they punted because he's Craig. But, like, when they he got the ball down at the one and then got a safety, I got to grab his shoulder and yell at him and being like, punting is winning. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a healthy relationship that you have. Well, during games, we both get a little... Okay. Well, well 
Craig definitely gets a little on tilt, and sure. I'm trying to kind of stay calm and trust that, all right, look, Michigan's okay. This is not as close as I'm feeling that it is. Uh-huh. But uh, Craig sometimes... You've been over. Doesn't have the filters. Yeah, I gotta say, we got two safeties in this game, and it sucks ass that we got thirty-one points. That is a completely normal score. What what would you have enjoyed the score being? Thirty-three is good. I like thirty-three. Thirty-three is what you wanted, but thirty-three is is, you can get thirty-three. You can get thirty-three, but it's twenty-nine. Thirty-three, you got to get four field goals and three touchdowns. That's a pretty weird score. Well, they could have not gone for two and gotten thirty-two. That's kind of a weird score. Oh, thirty-two would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah, thirty-two would have been amazing. and, and we have so many great players that 32 reminds us of. It's like, hey, Jalen Harrell. Yeah. Well, no, was, the problem is, of course, that was a Seth troll. Completely yeah. correct to, to go for two. Yeah, incident. it was. There are people wait, wait, in my mention wait, wait, like, oh, you can't chase the points. Wait, like, wait, the? wait, wait, wait. Okay. No, no, let's, no. 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 That, why is James Franklin in let's, your mentions? Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about that just yet because okay. that is in the next subset of right. the segment. So we're going through the punting. The punting. Yes, talk about the punting. You had to kick. Low, apparently, one direction. Well, Toman, uh, Doman did actually uncork like a sixty-yarder too. Yeah, maybe he was that know. with the wind though. That was with the wind. That was yeah. the first. That was the first punt. But the the kickoffs for Maryland yeah. were like what? The first one was like a, a liner, right? Like a squibber. Yeah, I've, I've wondered if that's actually a good idea, where you squib with the intention of like, so what's, forcing a return. What's the probably rule? a bad idea because it's so easy for it to go out of bounds. Not yeah. if you do it in the middle of the field. What's the what's the rule? Once it for touches the ground, fair, then you can't call a fair catch. No, you can't. No. Okay. No. Michigan so you might back could have gotten one of. I them mean, you could cu- you well, you, you can there. call a fair catch, but then when you pick up the ball, it's dead. Because remember, there was that the Iowa play. Some I don't. We were playing somebody, and one guy a had a fair catch, yeah. and they let the ball hit the ground. Then someone else picked it up and ran with it, and it was down at like the three where the guy picked the ball up. Was that a punt or a kickoff? It was a kickoff. Okay. So once you call a fair catch and the ball touches the ground, you still can't return it. So if it's a line drive, if, if it's sort of like a squibber, you should definitely call a fair catch. You should definitely not call a fair yeah, catch. Yeah, because then on the squib, as soon as it hits the ground, it's dead. No. no as soon as you recover the ball, it's oh. dead. Yeah. If you let it hit the ground and they so pick you might it up, be, then it's just a very so long you might be onto something. onside kick. In the if you do it in the middle of the field, a squib might not be a bad idea. Yeah, it's the and the issue is like, okay, well, what if one of the upbacks gets to it? Well, the upback is going to get away from that because the last thing he wants is to try to field it and to not and the, field and it. And the upback yeah. is like Braden McGregor. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just putting a hands team out there on every yeah. single kickoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like Michigan's returning. I mean, you need all these blockers anyway. Right, and then. At the beginning of the second half, their wide receiver guy takes it out from the one and gets to the fifteen. I'm just like, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I know you had. Do like, it again. Do it again. He has a touchdown this year, but I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, they were they were playing Michigan. They got to show what they got, bro. Bro. And what's the other main thing that in special teams? Uh, well, they blocked a punt. The bovine bo- punt block. No, bovin. Bovin. Okay. If you're going to pronounce MG, it French, can you guys just kind of please? Boivin. All right. They got the punt. We also, in the defensive section, forgot the strip sack fumble touchdown. But no, what? we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we oh, okay. discussed it. Oh, perfect. Wait, Dave. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny. Okay, so they block a punt. I mean, so they block a punt. Like, it was funny because the graphic comes on the screen, and it's like, Michigan's last block punt was, like, September of 22. Yeah. And Craig and I are like, you can. 
Well, they block a punt every year. Like, that's a big thing. Well, they used, You don't just get to block eight of these a year. I mean, they used to. Yeah. Like, well, they, the they one had, year they did, like, they 17 years. Kalik Hudson. They was blocking yeah. everything. Well, that was, so Maryland was using a two-man shield. And there's different rules for a two-man shield than a three-man shield. And one of them is you have to you – you're, you're going to get overloaded sometimes. So you have to block inside out. They did not block inside out. They let the um, inside guy come free. Boivin is the inside guy. And they blocked the outside guy, and I think that's why they got the fake punt off. Or they, they got the punt block. Well, uh, yeah, and then they, <laughs> the funniest rule in, in uh, football is when you kick it out of the end zone and they throw the flag and they're like, <laughs> it's a safety. <laughs> All right. Good job. So do you think they should have accepted it? The, the interesting thing about that is if he doesn't do that, it's probably a touchdown. Well, yeah, but it's just why? Why is there a penalty for kicking the ball out of bounds? You know what it should be. The penalty is if you kick the ball at the back of the end zone. What should it be? Uh, a rouge. It should be a touchdown. Nah. Yeah, because otherwise there's no penalty for it. Yeah, there is no penalty for it. No, it should just be, it, no. There should be a penalty on the kickoff. You have a punt coming up. You should have to punt from your own end zone. You should have to punt from where you kicked it. I just think it's funny. It's like a this part, sounds like a Brian rule. It's part of a it's part of punter <laughs> lore. Like if you get your punt blocked and it's in the end zone, you just boot it. It's, out. Well, yeah. and it, and then you get called for it. It, it is dumb. Like they they either should like take that rule off, or they should actually have a punishment for it. Because right now you're like, well, you can't do that, but there's actually no punishment for it. I agree. The punishment should be you have to kick off the ensuing punt should be from your own end zone. I think it should be a touchdown. <laughs> then well, people won't do it anymore. You guys, you guys got to hook up with the NCAA and get these rules. Yeah, yeah they're, li- they're we, listening to me. Right Seth now. and I have a lot of pull in that direction. Well, yeah. they're, a, they're a very functional organization that wants to do better. We're a, we're a very so professional are we are we going on to the game theory sure section because there were do that or Fox because I have some Fox notes no it's not I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. all right so there were a lot of like like they went for it on fourth and eight on the barter right and that's they're going into the wind in the right? wind yeah so they want to kick okay they go on fourth and three a also, little bit closer also well, a little closer yeah I mean so you agreed with both of those decisions I assumed that because of the win that they just didn't want to try a field goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, I, so fourth and one on our own 34. I was, I was like, gotta go for this. Yeah. Really? Isn't it early? I know, but like it's fourth and one. You saw it was happening when they were running dive on that. Uh, but when they did got all that stuff happen before or after this play? After, but it's like, you know, so you hadn't seen that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Send a message. Yeah. A that mental was a message. That was the only one I was a little weird on. Well, like, there was also like a fourth and three, a, three towards the end of the there's, game. There's two of them. There's a fourth and two at, at the 44, which ends up being a 56-yard punt and a touchback. Right. And then there was the – and that was the fourth and two after it was a fourth and seven that they punted. Well, and the, the thing is it's, offside. it's third and six on the fourth and three, and then you run it for three yards, and then you yeah. punt. I'm like, you can't run it if you're going to punt there. Right. The the run is to set up the the going for it unless but, you're going to only punt you're in a punt if it was three and but that's not the if it was two. the that's lob the wedge one. punt that gets stuck at the one right yeah but what were no, the chances of that no the one that got stuck at the one was fourth and nineteen it was a fourth and three at the Maryland forty three that went to the ten hmm. oh well yeah and that's normally a go for it situation I think Michigan was feeling more confident about their defense than the fans were and it was like okay as long as we put these guys in the back and that was after they. And the defense did Sane were still outside because on all four, all three of those drives to tie or go ahead in the fourth quarter, and like Tonga Vailoa was under siege. So maybe they just felt like so they had something in yeah. their back. Maybe they yeah. just got all the decisions right. Well, 
the guess. win was a. I, I think the win was a factor in all of those decisions, especially in the fourth quarter when they're assigned to punt because they're like, what are they going to do? They cannot throw the ball into the wind. No one can throw in the ball in the wind in this game. So when yeah, Maryland was moving the ball, it was the second, third quarter. Well, that second scene or so interception, they're just throwing a bomb on like third and 19 or whatever. Uh-huh. And you know the wide receivers actually pass scene or still, and then the ball just dies in the air. So, so there's your evidence of how windy it is. Yeah, I guess. So, I mean, maybe all the decisions were based on conditions, and that's it's hard to tell because I wasn't actually there. Okay, um, then going for two, it was... 29 to 17 17 they're up 12 right with it's like the end of the third quarter end of the third yeah it's and that's the point at which you're like okay how do we lose this game the by far most likely scenario is that maryland scores two touchdowns like especially because they're going into the wind in the fourth quarter so how are they going to kick a field goal right so to me that's the most no-brainer two-point call yeah. of all time. Maybe not. Those, that's that's the kind Definitely of two-point. Even back before people learned how to do things because math, they, were, would, they were going yeah, for you it. You just look at the sheet situation. and be like, all right, we're up 12, we're going to go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because you don't want to lose by one if they get two touchdowns. They're not right, going to get t- three field goals or two field goals. Yeah, they're not. especially <laughs> with the win, they're not going to field goals are not a consideration, so it's yeah. It's the obvious right to do. Okay, I wasn't thinking about the win. That's because I was very on the fence, and I, I couldn't even, figure it out. Even like, with that, you're, you're in, in time. You lose the game if you go for two in the specific case where Maryland gets one touchdown and two field goals, and they're probably going to have a total of three drives. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even think it's worth talking about. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and not talk to Jamie because he's not available today. But we're still going to do the second. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. We've been servicing Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit for over 40 years, and we know that the last thing you want to worry about is your heating and cooling system breaking down. Right now is a good time to sign up for our preventative maintenance plan, so you don't have to worry about it in November when the fourth quarters get interesting. Our maintenance members also get discounts and service calls, and you can rest assured our team plays tough in sun or snow and have never been called soft by Lou Holtz. Whether you need a tune-up, are ready for a new system, or want to upgrade your air quality before winter, call us anytime or schedule an appointment on our website at SharonsHeating.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. 
If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Having dreams of being single forever, he's getting worried and I'm scared too Cause I'm in the same boat, good women are rare too None of them came close, me I haven't changed much You know how I play it, better safe than sorry Instead of searching for substance at every single party Baby, being part of this life, I feel like I'm bound to end up with somebody that's been with everybody I need you to rescue me from my destiny I'm trying to live right and give you whatever's left of me yeah, cause you know life is what we make it And a chance is like a picture It'd be nice if you just take it But let me take it for ya I'm just down a ride We can roll around the city Till you finally decide I got more than a thing for you Tattoo and an ink for you Right over my heart, girl I do the unthinkable We do not welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com How you doing, Dave? Because you're still here Because Jamie's not here I, I've manifested myself back in the room Okay, good We're going to start off with... Iowa 15, Illinois 13. This is a score for you, Brian. <laughs> it is. Iowa gets a safety to start off the scoring, which is very appropriate. And they so get a weird so score. at one point it was 2-0 is what you're telling it me? It was 2-0 to, to start this. What was everyone, the next score? And everyone makes the same joke at that point. Well, that should do it. <laughs> and they were not that far from what, what being was correct. The, what was the next score of the game? Uh, After what it was 2-0. Was it was 3-2. to two. Well, that's that's a beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful score. But uh, Caleb Johnson goes 30 yards with five minutes left to put Iowa up. And this is backwards. The win touched off an emotional celebration in the Iowa locker room where Coach Kirk Ferentz was handed the game ball by defensive coordinator Phil Parker. That is backwards. That is backwards. Everybody on that roster should worship at Phil Parker's feet. Phil Parker, oh Phil Parker's like, hey, I guess I, I'll, here I go again. All right. So they, they, they clinched it, right? Like they're going Indy. They are the outright Big Ten West champions. Neither team gets to. They have, they, gonna... they have no Cade McNamara. They have no Eric All. <clears throat> they have no Cooper DeGene. 
and they're going to Indy. Yeah, wouldn't it be Cooper Dijon. <laughs> and neither team gets to 300 yards in this one. It's 281 to 280 for Iowa. Deacon Hill, 81 to 280. <laughs> yep. Deacon Hill, 19 to 29 for a buck 67 and a touchdown. Uh, Caleb Johnson had nine carries for 23 yards before his uh, 30 yard touchdown. It is a typical Iowa performance. Uh, Tor- Taylor, eight punts. He averages 52 yards a punt give that man the ray guy right now he was like extremely lauded on senior day there i mean like i heard there were just cheers well my dude is like the key player john paddock the illinois quarterback who went nuts last week comes back to earth in a big way 22 of 47 215 yards and reggie love the third goes 18 attempts 64 yards so Iowa will be in the Big Ten championship game if Michigan is so fortunate to beat Ohio State. That is who they will face. And the danger man in that game will be the punter. <sighs> I think literally with DeGene out until a bowl game for <coughs> Iowa. like It has to be. And what would be the, the most MGO of the Iowa preview if the punter is not the danger man? Well, I don't want to you know dump on a program that is somehow... Nine and two, despite having almost the worst offense in the country, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to be any I mean, different from is, the one two years ago. This is how the Big Ten West ends. And, <laughs> well, is, and they'll beat the they'll last probably Ten, beat Nebraska yeah. next week, and they'll have ten wins again. Now Nebraska will win that one somehow. It is, it the is Big Ten incredible. West will always Big Ten West. You know, after Lincoln Riley gets fired from USC, Kirk Ferentz should hire him and see if he can actually have a team. Ha. Huh. See, my plan was earlier this year was for Lincoln Riley to hire Phil Parker, but now, <laughs> why would you want that for USC? Well, I, just like it was, it was. You want to have a good program? That seems like that would be a good program, you know. No, USC is a fun program. Let them, let them USC. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, moving on to <laughs> Penn State twenty-seven, Rutgers six. This game was, uh, I think, it was. 10 to 6 at halftime. Yeah. It was uh I flipped over to it a little bit and it was very it like was last week. About what you would expect. So Penn State gets up to 322 yards, Rutgers is stuck at 229. Uh guess the number of yards passing for Drew Aller. Hey, he had more than he had against Michigan. 88. No. 88. Incorrect. No. You're what? you're counting Bo Pribula's uh oh. 9 yards. Oh, I'm sorry. For for Drew Aller, because Bo Pribula was one of one for nine yards. Yeah, which is much better average than Aller's six for 13. For oh, 79, 79 yards. yards. For 79 Just yards. a hugely broken offense. Pribula rushes 71, for 71 yards on eight attempts, including a 39-yarder. Um, most of Penn State's damage is done on the ground, and Rutgers' Gavin Wimsett, 10 of 16 for a buck 30 and a pick. They can't run the ball at all, and that's pretty much it. Like this Some, Rutgers team was never going to move the ball against Penn State. It's just a matter of time before Penn State just leans on them. Well, Penn State did something interesting that they benched Aller and went with uh, Pribula as just an athletic quarterback. Well, he was hurt. They didn't bench him. Aller up. got hurt? Yeah. So Pribula comes in and it's like, well, this seems about the same. But he throws one time. Yeah. But doesn't really matter because he's able to, like, is this a better offense with Pribula on the field because he can move? I don't know. It's I mean, it's tight. The the thing that they have, the, the thing that they don't have is an offensive line. 
So still, if you can make one block a win, that's a huge deal for them. Because like I still like it. <laughs> that's a funny thing to say. I mean, it's probably true. I, I meant it with all the <laughs> with all the meaning that I intoned and in, in, into it. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what Penn State is this year. So Aller also does run in this game. He runs three times for twenty eight yards. I mean, that's just what they have to do, right? Because they're not doing anything. So, yeah, uh, Aller takes a shoulder-to-shoulder hit and then throws a, a very inaccurate pass on his next play and then exits. So, uh, I didn't realize that was that was hurt. I thought that was just Aller. <laughs> I mean, but that looks might be an AC joint. It's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Penn State plays against uh, – I mean, if Aller plays against Michigan State. And Holy cow, is that, like, now a game? No, because Penn State's – going to completely crush the Michigan State offense and like their defense is probably going to outscore Michigan State, right? Maybe. Oh, Kattenhauser looked pretty good against Indiana. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Let's move on to that one, I guess. Michigan State 24, Indiana 21 in the uh, game of the week in terms of least expectation of a win for the winning team. 21% according to Bill Connolly's SP+. Plus. Well, the win probability was a roller coaster at the end because like Indiana gets up into the, the high 80s or, or, or 90. Yeah, it's like 89% with a couple minutes to go. So why didn't Jamie come this week again? <laughs> well, so well. they take a, a weird intentional grounding call with seven seconds left that instead of like, okay, you complete a pass for five yards, you set up a 35-yard field goal, they end up having to go for a 48-yarder at the buzzer to tie it, and they miss it. So <laughs> I don't know how you have an intentional grounding on like your little dink play to pick up a few more yards for your So I mean, that's what the intentional grounding was was called on? Yeah. It was but the receiver wasn't in the area so they they threw the flag. It was it was very strange. I mean there that's a situation where you see that thrown sometimes because the quarterback is like don't give up any yards. Don't take a sack. Don't take a sack. So, I mean, they're, you talked about the one for Michigan where, like, you know, usually they're not going to call that because it's going to be a safety. This is the situation where they often call it because the quarterback is obviously trying to preserve yards. Save yards. So yeah. this was the right call? I, the, I, I'm, I'm so or biased. Are there, are there I mean, no right calls? I, no, I, I think that all, uh, all intentional groundings are right calls. Like, I think they need to call it way more often. I think that, like, Defenders who get in the backfield and force the quarterback to throw the ball away, unless he's actually trying to complete a pass, yeah. should be intentional. Brian, quarterback. did you think it was the right call? Uh, yeah, but it was a, it was just a bizarre way. I mean, it, it, this is probably the end of Tom Allen, right? Uh, like, he's three and eight, one and seven in the conference, right? And there's not really a whole lot of belief that that would turn around at this point. They should have lost to Akron. Yeah, I mean, they had. Kalen DeBoer for a year, and that was a, a really good year, and then they lost him, mm-hmm. and it's just been a, such a morass. And then the starch has kind of come out of this defense. Like, uh, who is their linebacker from from a couple of years ago? We're 44, who's now like a really good NFL player. Uh, I, there's so many players who've gone through my head. I'm sorry. But so th- it was Micah McFadden. Mike McFadden, there you are. And so they've always had like that guy or Taiwan Mullen. Or, I mean, this year they do have that Western Michigan transfer, who's I, I think is probably a mid-round pick. But they just don't have the guys that they've been able to, like, kind of cobble together a decent defense with. And, I mean, they gave up 245 passing yards to Kattenhauser in this game, which is 
I mean, I think it's the end of the road. And maybe Indiana's got a buyout that they don't want to pay, and they don't really think that there's anybody on the market who. Yeah, who are you gonna who are you gonna get? I mean, Michigan State's probably a better job than Indiana. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you do have an awful lot of money, but given the status of the Indiana program, it's probably it, it has to be somebody like it's going to be a hot coordinator, basically. Or it either has to be that, or I mean, like Oregon State is good because they went and got a guy who was good at Oregon State. Yeah. And he was a he was a beaver from the beginning, and he built the program back up from. I mean, Oregon State used to be bad, 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 and that is what Indiana is. They need a guy who, you know, Antoine Randall L. I mean, like that's that's the type of guy that they need to come in and be like, you know what, I got to bring this program back, and I might be a good coach. Well, isn't he a wide receivers coach? From well, the Lions. okay, but I'm I'm just I, it doesn't need to be him. I'm saying that like you know Jonathan Smith who played it. Oregon State came back and like brought that program from who knows where, and that's what Indiana needs. Is you need it maybe Jamie? <laughs> they need a guy who's going to and be an Indiana guy and actually stick around. Well, I mean they have the Tom Allen has been dedicated to that program for a long time. It's just that it's time for him to go. So well, like, he he hasn't he he got there. It's sort of in the COVID year right before. I mean, and then couldn't get over the top. I mean, when they were interesting, they had. That go go offense, like honestly, like maybe you go get an UNLV's offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean they're going to be ten and two. If he wants year. to be there, I mean he's an OC at UNLV. He this is the best UNLV has ever been, <laughs> <laughs> and it's due to the fact that they have this weird offense. And I think you need that weird offense aspect if you're going to be successful at Indiana. So I haven't looked at all of the Big Ten schedules, but obviously with the new Pac-12 teams coming in, a lot of those teams are going to be playing the higher end. Big Ten teams. And right. so there are probably going to be some lower end Big Ten teams that are going to get breaks where they're not playing all of the Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin's every year. And so if you can have a couple of years where you can play more beatable teams and you get it, you get it, you get, I mean, because that's like you said, the UNLV guy, you get, you get a guy who has a unique offense, does something well. If he can, you know, recruit okay locally, then you, you don't have to be like, well, we got to beat. Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State this year. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, part of what happens in these schools or, you know, in the Max and in the Mountain West is if you get seniors and you get the right schedule, you have a chance to have a good year. And Indiana needs a boon like that. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of feel like Brennan Sorsby is rounded into a guy that maybe you can build around for a couple of years. He did throw a couple touchdowns and didn't have any interceptions. His YPA not good, but it's something. Yeah. I Meanwhile, Michigan State is, is you know in between things and they're probably gonna i mean they have to be a little bit upset that some other teams are coming in the coaching market yeah and like a&m's obviously a better job it doesn't and like the number one guy i think on the market might be mike elko and he's an am and grad yeah oh is he yeah oh so there's probably a good chance he's going well there. they're i mean they're talking to jed fish about moving from arizona which he you know arizona is has not yet been eliminated from the pac-12 championship game I mean, they, they've had... If they win next week and Oregon loses Oregon State, Arizona's in. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that Oregon State team is feisty. I mean, I, I feel like I, I would, I would not expect Jed Fish to take that job. To take Indiana? No, because, like, he's not at a peak roster year or anything. Like, his starting quarterback got hurt, and they brought in this Fafita guy, who I think is a freshman or a redshirt freshman, and they didn't miss a beat. So I feel like he's got some building to do there. You know, he's going to move for the Big 12. And it's probably more winnable than right. 
And like he's going to move to a Big 12 without Kansas. I mean, not Kansas, Oklahoma and Texas. So he could be looking at this and being like, I, I could. Who's going to beat me? I could, I could win a conference. I got to beat Utah, which I just did. You got to beat Utah. You got to beat Kansas State. I guess you got to beat Kansas because Jalen Daniels is going to be back next year. Kansas is, yeah. But I mean, Leopold is a great coach. So he's another guy. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's moving. You don't. Like he's explicitly stated that he wants to stay at Kansas. Really? And, and sometimes people like are. Just I mean, he saying, was at Whitewater forever. Yeah. Some people just say that to say that, but for him, I think he means it. He's also stayed at Buffalo a long time. Yeah, I think he would have gone to Wisconsin because that was where he's from. And but like, I don't think that Kansas has made nice for him. It's not like Kansas is a poor program; it's, they're just a poorly run program. It's kind of like Mike Stoops at Kentucky, right? Like Stoops is obviously a good coach. He hasn't had Kentucky at the level where he's going to get hired by an Alabama or yeah. Georgia. Yeah, he has job security because that program was a tire fire before he got there, and now it's solid. Yeah, so. There's a certain kind of mid-level job with low expectations where you kind of get it rolling, and then it's like, well, I could hop to Michigan State for like a pay bump until I get fired three years in, or I could be here. I mean, that's a little bit what Matt Campbell did, right? Like Iowa State is a decent program; they get wins now. It's what Kirk Ferentz did for well, 20 years. Well, 30 years. Iowa, Iowa is yeah. a completely different situation. Then Kansas, they're both no, bunch no of corn people. No, what I mean is like. Iowa has had two coaches in the last yeah. 70 years. Yeah. Like the Steelers. Yeah. So it, it is a – like there are teams that turn over coaches and then there's Iowa. Yeah. So, I mean, from their perspective, uh, I I don't know who would really be on my list. Like if you can get one of the Pac-2 coaches because who knows what's going to happen there, I guess. Like, But there's not really an obvious candidate who would definitely make the leap. Well – D'Antonio's tree is basically bare. Yeah, it's Pat Narduzzi who would be a, a hilarious hire. Yeah. Are we on Michigan State or Indiana or both? Michigan State. Indiana would not consider him. Yeah. But no, the only school that would think he is an upgrade on what they have now is Michigan State, and that would be funny. I mean, they still, they're still talking about Urban Meyer. I'm just like, bro. <laughs> Wait, who is? State Michigan fans. State. They're just like, we're going to get Urban Meyer. It's like, bro, the Texas A&M job is open. <laughs> If you think you can outbid Texas A&M, uh, you're crazy. And but if you Meyer, think – Meyer's not going to a place that has the most money. Meyer's going to a place – if he wants to coach. I don't know if he wants to coach. If he wants to coach, he's going to a place where he thinks he's going to be able to win. Right. And Texas A&M had the number one class in the country as soon as NIL was a thing. And that fell apart because their coach wasn't very good. But if you're looking at a program and you're like Urban Meyer, it's like, oh, can I get a quick fix here? The answer is yes. At A&M. And it is not yes at Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, if he goes anywhere, if he's willing to take a college job, it will be A&M. Or Florida. <laughs> I mean, are they – is he is that guy out? I No, I'm just – I don't think so. But, yeah. I mean, they, Mississippi State pulled the trigger on a guy for halfway into his first year. Yeah, that was weird. Uh -huh. I mean, it was more of like an extended interim – sort of situation. Anyway, we should move on. Yeah. Northwestern 23, Purdue 15. Northwestern is bowl eligible. Someone's going bowling. Speaking of extended interim situations. No, they they've now have made him a hire. Yeah. yeah, he is now the the quarter, he's now the head coach. And Northwestern wins this primarily because Purdue turns it over four times. 
Purdue goes for 300 rushing yards in this game. I want to know the last time Purdue rushed for 300 yards in a game. It was probably in 1950. Didn't they rush a bunch against somebody this year? I don't know. So if Northwestern had beaten Iowa in that game at Wrigley, they'd be on track to go to Indy. (laughs) (laughs) And that was like a 10-7 game or something like that. Like it was a really one of those super close Iowa football games. I, I don't think Northwestern is particularly good. I think the Big Ten Wets came back down to them. True, but but Northwestern yeah. was particularly bad last year. Well, also, Purdue's starting quarterback doesn't play in this game, so they play two different backups, Ryan Brown and... Bennett Meredith. Bennett Meredith. Why? Why? <laughs> Brian is perplexed. Why? Why does every backup quarterback in the Big Ten... In West, sound like a made-up person. It's just a lacrosse player. <laughs> but Tyrone Tracy, 16 rushes for 160 yards. Brown, their uh, backup. One of, one of their quarterbacks. One of their quarterbacks. Throws two picks, but rushes 21 times for 85 yards. Probably some sacks in there. Devin Mockaby, 12 rushes for 54 yards. They just run this. Uh, 54 runs. They just run this team over, but they fumble twice, and then Brown throws the two picks. I mean, I know it's year zero for for Walter, and he didn't have a starting quarterback, but it's also year zero for Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, it feels like if Purdue just pulled out the Penn State versus Michigan approach, that they would have won this game. Michigan versus Penn State. I I rather I mean, it was six zero at halftime. Right? <clears throat> yeah, well, it's Big Ten West for you, baby. All right, moving on. Wisconsin gets off the mat, beats Nebraska twenty four. To 17, Braylon Allen returns, and that's kind of a big deal, although he only rushes for 62 yards on 22 carries. Something is kind of fundamentally broken. Well, Nebraska's rush defense is... I know, but this is Wisconsin we're talking about. And this is... I mean, they're, they've gone to an air raid. They've got... <laughs> Mordecai played. Mordecai did play, but they get outgained 316 to 364 in this game by Chubba Purdy. He's back! He actually he is wasn't back. awful. Seven yards in attempt. One pick, one touchdown. He rushes for 105 yards and a touchdown with a 55-yarder. But they don't really get a whole lot out of their backs. I mean, they do combine for 95 yards, but on 25 carries. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> these are, I, I don't, these I are mean, just football teams. Analysis of the Big Ten West teams in games. The, the, fun, the funny part is it was 14 nothing Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow this game goes to overtime. Well, the Badgers also lost their best defender. Uh, Did they? The Wolers is the... They have a good defender? Yes, one. <laughs> one? Well, like... <laughs> Everybody they, gets a one. I mean, they, they, they still had, like, you know, linebackers who were recruited in the, in the linebacker. Anyway, like... He's their leading tackler, and he's out. And well, he was out of the second half. It well, so. should, be, should be noted that this is an OT game. Yeah. So yeah. Wisconsin scores um, their possession, and Nebraska does not. It's 17 all at the end of the— Doesn't Nebraska have, a, have to kick a field goal as time expires yeah, just but, to— Yeah, it was a 30-yarder, so it's not exactly a Hail Mary. So they had a chance to actually win the game? No, no. They, they made the 30-yarder to get to overtime. Right. But they had a chance on that last drive that they could have scored a touchdown and won. But Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. But that's asking a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, Nebraska needs one more win to get bowl eligible, and that game will be against Iowa next weekend. So it's possible because yeah. any Iowa game is going to be a two-point game. They were, at, they were inside the 20 with 135 to go. Yikes. And then— 
I mean, it is a team where you've scored 14 points in a whole football game, so. I guess. But, like, are you thinking, let's just get to overtime? I don't know. I don't know. Finally, Ohio State 37, Minnesota 3. This was kind of always going to be the game it was because we've seen Minnesota's offense, and it's just abysmal. This was the Michigan game, Sands, that one great throw from Kali Akmanis. Yeah, basically. So Minnesota picks up a total of 159 yards. Ohio State kind of slow motion blows them out, 438 yards. Um, 13 of those by halftime, though. So it's still relatively competitive at halftime. And then Travion Henderson goes for a 75-yard touchdown. It was the first play or – it was definitely their probably the first play because yeah. it was on the twenty-five. It was um, I don't know, like the fr- Ohio State had that first drive where Minnesota couldn't do anything. Yeah, and they're just running stretch and sort of can't tackle anybody or stop anybody. And just like every play is eleven yards, and then all of a sudden they're just stopped. And yeah, and they're still playing Newbin, the not the good safety, but the yeah. brother, the running back instead of um, their freshman who briefly gave hope to. Uh, the gopher ground game. Yeah. Although in fairness, the good safety is the one who got juked by Henderson for that big run. So, yeah, I mean, Henderson looks explosive. He looks like he's, he's a guy who, uh, is fully healthy. Maybe the first time in a while. Um, but we should point out that this is a defense that just gave up 49 points to Purdue. Right. <laughs> so can, can you name Ohio state's backup quarterback? Cause he made, he threw the ball twice in this game. Well, it's not, Devin Brown, right? Because uh, he's out. Mm-hmm. Questionable or whatever, yeah. Uh, looks like it's some guy. And his name is Lincoln Kineholes. Uh, where did he transfer from? Narnia? <laughs> yes, he was a talking beaver, and all the talking beavers had to leave. Yeah, He played with Bennett Meredith. Anyway, this is a uh, interesting. I don't know. Game. Do you take anything from this? I, it feels like. I mean, Marvin Harrison had thirty receiving yards, and so I guess they didn't really need him. Egbuka had he, five catches for eighty-three. He barely even played in, like the first half. Like they were. I mean, they they put him in the backfield at one point, and then like they. Why would they play? They yeah. They were not going to get anybody injured, but McCord did not. I mean, his numbers look good in the end, but... They look, they look okay. It's like 6.7 yards in attempt. Yeah. He tried to throw a couple interceptions yes. that didn't quite come off. Yes. He was 20-30, 212 for 7.1. And it's like, that's against a really bad defense. But what were they trying to do? I mean, that's the thing. Is like, I don't... It's I just, so I just hard feel to like, put a lot of stock into this. Like, last year's Ohio State team puts his team away... Early. The, early. And, like, the only team that Ohio State has done this to this year are Purdue. Mm-hmm. Which is running man coverage with terrible cornerbacks, and Michigan State, Michigan State, who is a tire fire, and and laid down and buddy buddied with they they yeah. they follow the what you were trying to do in twenty twenty. We're like let's be friends with Ohio State. Well, the the, <laughs> the 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 best thing for Michigan State was for them to lay down in that game and not get any Ohio State players injured because uh-huh. this is the biggest game of their season coming up too. Uh-huh. Well, that didn't didn't one of their is that their their version of the daily tweet out something like well i guess it's up to ohio state after michigan beat penn state the state yeah. news is not any version of the daily whatever i don't i don't read it facsimiles but i'm just saying like yeah their their student paper Does, is- you know we haven't talked much um at least in when i've been on about it feels like Ohio State throws to their tight end more than they ever have. I mean, Stover, Stover. is a guy that they've emphasized this year. I mean, he's a senior. He's probably going to get drafted in the third or fourth round maybe. He's he a, got, he had four player. catches and a touchdown in this game. It feels like he's 
another option that they have from I mean, a different spot on the he'll field. He'll be a guy who does some damage against Michigan because I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Colson and coverage. Mm-hmm. And that's the guy that's going to have to cover him? Yeah, because, I mean, for most of the time, because Barrett's such a good blitzer that if you're sending someone, it should probably be him. Right. So. Well, they're, I mean, it'll be the linebackers or they'll, they'll draw a safety. But, you know, last year. I mean, will he? Because, like, yeah. I, Michigan is, is going to play a lot of cover three and they're going to play a lot of split safeties. Yeah, but they normally lock Page to the tight end, and then they have the other safety go high. I mean, it depends. Yeah. We'll see exactly how it works out. But Stover is a guy who I think is going to have a, a fair chunk of yards against Michigan. But, uh, I mean, the the line in this game is like five and a half. Start at four, I think, right? Did it, did well, it, it, I guess it depends on where you look. The SP plus line is six, and then the Vegas line opened at five and a half. Some places have it at four and a half. I mean, it was like, okay. Whatever. That's about where it is. Which kind of implies that this would be a pick on a neutral field. And I'm just like, wow, that feels mm-hmm. not correct. Dude, how what do you feel? I mean, I feel like I don't feel as strongly about this as I felt about the Penn State game. Well, where I was like, how is this team going to move, move the ball? ball right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I don't bet. But if I was going to bet, I would have put a house on Michigan in the Penn State game. And the way that game played out, it was a lot closer, like thirty to six, than the actual final score, where they still covered. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so I don't feel as strongly about that as I as I about this one as I did about that game. But I just kind of look at what's happened with Ohio State when they go up against a defense that's in the same ballpark as Michigan. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you were saying Ohio State is going to the Outback Bowl. I think they are. <laughs> they are. A, I mean, that's a I hot take. It was right? a hot take, yes, but I think that that was. Based off of Ohio State was going to be a significantly worse team than they were last year. I think that they are a worse team than they were last year, but I don't think they are that. I mean, they're, well, their offense they're, is, they're a playoff their caliber team. Offense has taken a huge step back, but their defense is much better. Yeah, but the you know the issue with that is like, how much do we really know what is the best offense they face? Yeah, well, how much do we really know about the off the Ohio State defense? We know they beat Notre Dame, who's not very good. <laughs> and, well, that, that and game Notre did not Dame, make Ohio State look any better than Notre Dame had them on the ropes several times. Yeah. yeah, and then they've played in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing for Michigan is that Ohio State got here undefeated because I don't think I think Ohio State is capable of beating Michigan, and I don't think that they're going to be. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they have the coaching. I don't think that they have the fortitude. I think that the things that people have been saying about Ohio State the last two years are correct, and I think that you know. Unless we get bad JJ again or something like that. Like, this is. Think about how we felt last year after the Illinois game going into this game. We were like, haha, we got one on you, and, you know, we're going to keep celebrating 42 27. Yeah. How we felt the year before that. I mean, this is like going into the last couple of years' games, you're like, oh, Michigan's going to hold this team to 23 points. That's an upset. Yeah. Like, it kind of feels like that's the expectation right now. Like, yeah. if. You had to make me guess how many points Ohio State would score in this game. I'd say 20 to 23. Mm-hmm. So do you think Michigan can get that many on them? I mean, it's hard to tell because Michigan has the same problem Ohio State does. We haven't really seen them right. go against. Right. And then when they got in the Penn State game, what immediately happened was we were not going to drop back and throw the ball the rest of this game. And I don't think that's going to fly against Ohio State. I'm a little worried about Sharon Moore. So that's, that, 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 yeah. that's the next thing is yeah. like – if you knew Harbaugh was going to be on the sideline for this game, how much would your confidence level increase? I mean, I don't know. Because 
it's impossible to tell whether Michigan was correct in their approach in the last two games. It worked out. They won the game, but they gave Maryland three cracks at it. Three cracks that went absolutely nowhere. Three cracks were, that started from their own 10-1. Right, and Tungavailoa's under siege. At no point does it do they actually threaten. They're going into the wind. So it's possible that Sharon Moore was just playing the odds and he did something that was actually savvy. Now, <clears throat> we just don't know. Like, we kind of have a vibe for what Harbaugh is going to do, but Sharon Moore is kind of like, uh, uh, we don't yet. And yeah, I mean, do you, don't you think that – You heard my hot take. I, I think that it matters. I think that especially in a game like this where you have a quarterback who played in the NFL – who is the guy who recruited J.J. McCarthy and knows how J.J. McCarthy thinks. And the way that Michigan has the result that we want is J.J. McCarthy is a Heisman-caliber quarterback in this game. And I think that Jim Harbaugh is a big reason that that McCarthy is who he is. And I think that not having on the sideline in a game like this where you just need to pe- keep people calm, you need to like have, you know, we're going in, we're going to execute our game plan, we're, this is who we are. Like, that is where a head coach on the sideline does matter. I mean, and it's one thing that got resolved this week is that Michigan was not laid out of the huddle. They had yeah. a lot of problems against Penn State in a hostile environment in this. They had to call one timeout, I think. But Yeah, but that's. They're going to do that. Table stakes, right? Yep. But they got out of the, the huddle much better. That issue with timing up the snaps because everything was going to zero went away. And that wasn't a Sharon Moore thing. It was a Beaver Stadium thing. Seems like it. Yeah. So. I think that concern's kind of gone out the window, and now you're just like, okay, there is a sort of like Lloyd Carr vibe for the end of the last two games, and is that going to get it done against Ohio State? No, but the truth is, is they weren't playing Ohio State, and that's like the, you know, right. like you always talk about if you're in a 1950s football game, you have to play a 1950s style, and it were, and it was probably in a lot of ways the right call in Beaver Stadium. Was it in? College I mean, Park. I the, mean, it the, seems kind of like it. I mean, this game against Ohio State, I think it's probably going to feel a little bit like the Penn State game. It's not going to be a totally inept offense, but you can confuse McCord and you can, you know, contain Ohio State. We've talked about their short yardage issues. I think they'll move the ball more, but I don't know if they're going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns. Well, and I think that comes down to, you know, what we talked about earlier with. You know, is Ohio State just going to say, hey, our linebackers and safeties are going to be keying on your run the whole time? And if they're coming down and flowing down and timing that and run blitzing a lot, then you know, Michigan's going to have to win the game in the air. And that's what they did last year. And that's what they're going to have to do this weekend. And if J.J. plays well, then I think that it's probably no contest. But Well, I mean, one thing that we have Assuming, to... again, Roman Wilson is... Like, I think Wilson will play and we know Henderson will play. So they're going to be mostly full strength. And one thing that we have seen in Ohio State games is Michigan brings out new stuff. Yep. They, they've, they have new packages. And this time they've had an entire season <laughs> to prep for Ohio State. And the one thing they brought out against Penn State was the jumbo package, which seemed like something that was specifically planned for Penn State and the way that they play football. It's not something that is probably even an option against Ohio State because I can't imagine that Hinton's playing. But we've seen one new thing. One package. All year. All year. So what is the game plan? What are the new things we're going to see? What is the RPS? In this no game? one knows. And I think that's part of the beauty of it is like it makes us a little uncertain because it's you, – you haven't gotten to see literally anything that's in the garage. But you know that 
since they walked off the field against TCU, a lot of this was going towards winning this game. Right, and they have options. They have Edwards. They have Mullings. Now they have Samaj Morgan. They have Samaj Morgan. They have a quarterback who can run the ball, and they've hinted at the kind of things that they can do. We've seen a little bit of it, but most of that package is still in the barn. And I go back to two years ago when they had the JJ package with the diamond. Like, Mm -hmm. that can be the whole game. It's package after package after package. So, (sighs) like... This is better, though, isn't it? Like, it's better not knowing, but knowing that it could just be a nuclear machine in there. Yeah, and I think that Ohio State's options are somewhat more limited in that department. I have no doubt that they've got some stuff planned. Sure. But they don't have necessarily the depth of, of and the versatility of yeah, players that's what I, yeah that's that's a good way to put it so i mean historically michigan has come into this game with really good game plans yep. even like the john o'corn year they had such a good game plan yep. yeah and if they had anybody else at quarterback they win that game the wilton spate one if his if his shoulder isn't hurt right i mean that was a good game plan the 2015 the, game like the offense was amazing they had all sorts of great ideas on offense the 13 game when yeah. you wrote in the preview we're gonna die and then they had a shot at the end no he wrote we're going bowling well, he wrote both, but yeah. <laughs> and then we went bowling. And then we did go bowling. We watched the kick six oh, from yeah. the bowling alley. <laughs> Deep cuts. Deep but, cuts. But, but you've said for years, the only time they didn't really have it was that 12 game, which was a winnable game, but they yeah. couldn't. But yeah, I mean, so I don't know. You just – and the other thing that they're going to have now is – and we're not, we haven't gotten into a lot of this, but is like there's probably some off-the-field motivation that was not there in years past. If some of the thoughts and how do you how do you turn up the Michigan Ohio State game? Because of because of all of the rumors of where a lot of this started and everything. Well, I don't I don't think that's an asset because I think you're as amped up as you can possibly get for this game, and then you're going into the the red zone, like the red. So you think it's too far? I mean, it might be. I mean, Michigan has been very good about not letting any of that get to them. Boil over. Like you know, you get Braden McGregor speared in the helmet, and what does Michigan do? They're like. Go away. <laughs> they don't. They don't react. Yeah, Ohio State's the one who's played shook in the last couple of times. Yeah, and like, where do you think they are? I think you know. I think that. I think that they'll come in confident, but if things start going a little pear shaped after the last couple of years, they could lose their cool. Do you think Michigan can handle things not going their way early? I mean, they did last year. Yeah, but I. I just that's sort of like. The Harbaugh thing, right, is like you, you see your general on the front line and he's standing there while bullets are flying and you're like, all right. I mean, but I mean, that's, that's that's his program, right? Like just because he's not going to be there on game day, it's like he's still going to be there every day this week. Yep. He's still going to put together the game plan. He's still the guy who runs his program on every day except Saturday right now. So and it's a little bit of a concern. I think it matters and it matters because of the red what you talked about, going into the red. Well, when we interviewed Denard Robinson on the 2011 podcast, he talked about the under lights game. He's like, I was too hype. I was too hype. Yeah, and but like, this, players cannot play too hype. This team doesn't really do that. You know, they got rattled at Penn State, I think, but that was because it's a hugely difficult road environment to be yeah. in. And they're going to be at home, and Michigan is like, this is going to be the loudest the big house has ever been. So you got a first year quarterback in a situation he has not really been in before. And, like, if you're telling me that one team is going to get rattled in this team, game, I'm saying it's probably not going to be Michigan. Yeah. 
especially because how much pressure is on Ohio State? Every one of their delusional fans thinks that the sign ceiling is the reason they got the brakes beat off in the last two years. I, Every well, single one. If Michigan loses this game, it's really disappointing. If Ohio State loses this game, it's the apocalypse. What happens? Ryan Day is I mean, fired. I mean, even didn't Urban Meyer sort of allude to that, where he's like, "Look, I love Ryan Day. He's my guy." But like, you can't lose to an interim coach in the Michigan Ohio State game. Well, now that he, I mean, look, what was his answer? He gets beat by Michigan twice in a row. What's his answer? He calls his brother. They get a PI on it. <laughs> it's off the field. It's not even on the field. And they get him for sign stealing, which, by the way, Ohio State has had Michigan signs all of these years. They yeah. had him in 18. Yeah. They had him in 19. They had him in 21. All right. All right, all right. Yeah. right? So, so what you're saying is he didn't make an adjustment what I'm between he, the lines. He, he damaged himself in this game because Ohio State – had Michigan signs last time, and I thought they did a really good job of getting themselves in the right play call. Now, if you take signs out of this game, that damages Ohio State more than it damages Michigan. That's an interesting point. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think that all of this stuff is overblown. Not necessarily in the history of college football, like I think, you know, the Don Brown defense things. You were, mean like the yeah. impact of what it actually means? Yeah, but like if people were like, oh, Michigan's really good at sign stealing – and they're, they take countermeasures. And Michigan's the same way. It's going to be a wristband game for both teams, and that's fine. And, and one team trying to do that with the volume all, all the way turned up, and one team trying to do that when, it's, when you yeah. can hear. I'm, I'm saying it's not a, it, it wasn't a big deal to begin with, but like if you go back and look at Michigan's touchdowns last year, Ohio State had the right call on most of those plays. The only one they, they didn't have the right call on was uh, the run-in from four yards with uh, with JJ. The JJ key. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know about that because I think the Colston Loveland, you got man coverage with Lathan Ransom on Loveland. That doesn't seem like a great matchup for Ohio State. I mean, they had a safety coming down and cutting off the out. No, and, but they, he, yeah, he he jumps. It it's up. a double move that he jumps, yeah. and he's playing the worst game of his life. Yeah. I don't think the first Edwards touchdown was a good call at all for Ohio State. Like, that is – Oh, I got three men on the line. We are not filling the B gap. I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, they're blitzing the actual gap that Michigan attacked. Yeah, but so <laughs> I mean, like you're slanting yeah. over Taron Vincent. I think Michigan fit it well. I think that, it, well, I mean, that's the point. But you're you're blitzing at Olu Oluwatimi and Zach Zinner. Yeah, and you're like showing them a weird front, and it's like they can't figure it out. I mean, like the second one was just ransom screwing it up. But yeah, the first one that was not. A good idea. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, they the uh, the first Johnson touchdown. They had a guy blitzing free. Like they they've yeah, had a guy blitzing free, and they had yeah. Roman Wilson without well, a guy within fifteen almost, yards yeah. of him. Right. So, when I, my point is that knowing this play call is not going to help you that much because if you triple cover their first read. Somebody else is going to be in a two-way go against your safety. Well, like it, there's no way you can over, you can only adjust so much before you become a completely unsound defense. Well, one thing that they're not going to do is they're not going to do the, what they did last year. They're not going to load the box. Well, what I'm saying is they're, they're, they might be plus one in the box, but they're not going to be a cover zero team on a lot of really important snaps. So there's going to be space underneath. Well, they're going to be aggressive, but they're not going to be maniacally reckless again. So is this a good game for, like, Roman Wilson crosses and 
like the the in like the deep ins from CJ this, and that kind of thing. This is a hotter take than my hot take, but I think that the uh, the Kalen Mullins game, <laughs> like I think he's great against this team. That they have linebackers who come in from the side. Just the way that Ohio State wants to attack. You, I mean, I don't, I don't really, really break a tackle against them. But I do feel like Michigan's guards are going to be the most important players in this game because if you can carve out some interior lanes and let Blake Corm go to work. And one thing people forget about last year's game is Michigan had two excellent runs set up, but it was CJ Stokes instead of Corum. Yeah. And he didn't get to play in last year's game. Nope. So and that's he, and he he played, but he didn't really even get to play in 21. I mean right. that that was Haskins all the time. Yeah, so this is going to be Blake has this game. That's one of the reasons I think he came back is he wanted to play in this game. Yeah, he's got this is a red letter day for him. And this is a legacy defining game for him. And I can't bet against them, right? But instead of practicing, he's handing out turkeys this morning because he's still playing corn. Well, can't practice 24-7. That's a countable hour violation. All right. We've talked a very long time about this game. Probably talk more. (laughs) And we will talk more about it in the future. But thanks for listening. See you guys on the other side. the MGO Podcast. I am Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. We're going to win this game. I guarantee it. We're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to the Rose Bowl. Thank you.